Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M, and joining me in studio, as always, you know him. They say it's his birthday. Uh, This is true. It's the one and only Padawan J. Folks, I just want you to know, uh, I think everyone collectively in our Locks and Leaps Challenge had a fucking awful week. Except Uh, one. Except one. I tried convincing the Ken and the powers that be uh, that I did not have a terrible week, that I had a fantastic week, but I got told I was a quack. Yes, this is true. Unless you are Joey DiCarlo from the So Wizard podcast, this was a rough week for Locks and Leaps. I, I presented all the evidence and research I had done. Uh, to the powers that be, but I got told I was a quack. This is true. This is very, very true. Folks, we have a lot to discuss in the land of sports, so we definitely want to interact with you. Swing on over to the ODPH website. That is odphpodcast.com. You can also check out the T Public store while you're there. The sale going on this week. Parlay points, complimentary blog section of the show, the directory, the classifieds, all that and so much more is at odphpodcast.com. And always remember to use the hashtag odphpod on social media, which you can find our accounts there as well. So right now, let's not waste any more time. Let's jump right into the sports edition of the ODPH, and we have to talk about the NFL week that was. Man, was it brutal. Uh-huh. This was not a fun one for fantasy football. I think the only ones who enjoyed this past weekend were the casinos and the sports books. Facts. 1,000% facts, because we are going to be recapping the week that was in the NFL. And, Pad, why don't we go through your locks and leaps here? Do we have to? Yeah, we have to. All right. Uh, so, for my lock, I chose the L.A. Rams to beat, defeat the Tennessee Titans. And I looked at it, hey, listen, you know, the Rams are looking pretty good right now. Stafford's throwing for obscene numbers. Cooper Cup is catching anything thrown in his zip code. Defense is pretty damn good. And, hey, they just added, you know, a Pro Bowl or future Hall of Famer and Von Miller on that damn defense. Mm-hmm. I thought they'd be pretty good. Plus, you got Tennessee, no Derrick Henry. You're signing Adrian Peterson on a short week. Who knows if they'd be able to pull it off. And sure as shit, they did. Tennessee winning by the final score of 28-16. Ryan Tannehill, 19 of 27 for 143 yards passing. One touchdown, one interception. Matthew Stafford, 31 of 48 for 294 yards passing. One touchdown, two interceptions. This was freaking wild. Uh Uh-huh. I'm sorry. I, I know we're a couple days removed from this game. I still can't wrap around what happened on the field. I mean, even if you just look at the box score, for after the first quarter, it's 3 nothing Rams. Okay. Not uncommon in the NFL Yeah, these not days. uncommon at all. And then Tennessee comes out and hangs a three spot in the second quarter, and by that I mean three touchdowns. 21 points unanswered to make it 21-3 to at halftime. Yeah, I mean, this, Yikes. this is not a trap game. This was a full-on competitive game. But just to see how Tennessee losing Derrick Henry, and like I said, it's possibly for the year. That's the way it's, it's reading right now. But they showed up and won a very, very decisive game that if I'm L.A. and I just loaded up with my defensive Von Miller, mm-hmm. and I am sitting there thinking, okay, we can make a deep run in the super, for the Super Bowl, 
I got to be a little nervous. I know it's one game. I sure. really do. Sure. But Tennessee is not a slouch team by any stretch of the imagination. They no. just lost their biggest weapon, so you would think that Tennessee was going to fold. Mm-hmm. But they pulled it together. Mike Vrabel's team really showed some grit here. Yeah. And that's the biggest takeaway I had from this because I'm looking at the stats and I'm going, okay, the running game, nothing to write home about. No. Really not. No. Daryl Henderson Jr. was their leading uh, rusher. 11 carries, 55 yards, no touchdowns. After that, it was former New England Patriots, Sony Michelle. Seven carries, 20 yards, no touchdowns. So, like, nothing to really get, ooh, exciting. Yeah, no, I mean, the Rams definitely didn't ignite that defense on fire there. So, for Tennessee, they really just came in and they played a solid game. And like I said, they this wasn't anything to really write home about for stats. No. I mean, honestly, this was not anything that really stood out to make me go, wow, this was a game of the week. I mean, the only yeah. noteworthy thing was Adrian Peterson reemerged. Yeah. 10 carries, 21 yards, and a touchdown, which is great. On a short week, that ain't bad. Yeah, no, which I, I say for you know him coming back and doing on that performance, I'm not. I, that's nothing to be sneezing about. That is, no. that, that is a solid performance. But for the Rams, I got to sit there and just have some questions. I mean, I'm not saying hit the panic button. Yeah. But I got to really sit there and go, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup almost had 100 yards each. Yep. And you only put 16 on the board. Yeah, say three points in the first quarter, nothing in the second quarter, three more points in the third quarter, and then 10 in the fourth. Yeah. And and I can't help but wonder, it shouldn't have been a trap game because Tennessee's good enough. No, by no that means. You, but I almost wonder if it was to the degree that L.A. and the players started getting in their feelings a certain way once the trade with Von Miller went down. And then everyone on social media, myself included, started ready to crown them as like NFC champs, put mm-hmm. them in the Super Bowl, and they started feeling a certain type of way, and they went, holy shit, we're fucking good. And they took Tennessee too lightly that, hey, we're fucking amazing. We've got one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now in Stafford. We got Cooper Cup, who's you know putting up Hall of Fame numbers this season. We got a defense that is darn near shut down. Like, there's no way Tennessee's going to be able to beat us. And then you you took your foot off the gas, and all of a sudden Tennessee's beating you. Yeah, I mean this is just something that anything anything can happen on any given Sunday. I know it's cliche to say it, but it's true. Tennessee went in, and their defense just locked down the Rams' offense. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's the moral of this story. Ryan Tannehill played okay. Did I think it was MVP talk? By no means. because no, like you said, none of the stats on Tennessee's side are exactly exciting. The leading rusher for Tennessee was Deontay Foreman, five carries, 29 yards, no touchdowns. The leading receiver was A.J. Brown, five catches, 42 yards, no touchdowns. That's not exactly sexier fantasy football winners. No, especially for a Sunday night primetime game, the yeah. game of the week. Yeah. I mean, let's face it, that's what Sunday night football is. So it was wild to see how this all played out. And for the Rams... I'm not saying the panic button. I want to really stress that because I know I'm being super critical about this. But Tennessee is one of those teams that you're going to see that caliber in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And to have this kind of falter is yeah. something to watch. Not saying, oh, yeah. not saying concern, but I but I would be, you know, concern might be a it, strong word, yeah, but it's something you got to keep. Cause for concern. Yeah, well, you got to keep your eye on it and be very cautious moving forward because yeah. for Stafford, who's played so well. Yeah. He looked awful in this game. I mean, yeah. those interceptions he threw, I mean, one was a straight-up pickoff. The other one, just go down with the ball or throw it out of bounds. Like, why you just heaved it in the middle of the field? I Like, I, I understand I'm playing armchair quarterback when I just talk about that. 
But in the heat of the moment, it's like, you got to do better than that. And you've been in this league long enough. Uh huh. So for moving forward from this, this was a bad loss for the Rams, and this is a great loss for or a great win for Tennessee, rather. No, yeah, I mean, because the Rams, I'm looking at this is definitely not a panic button, freak the fuck out moment, but it's a little cause for concern. You know, the, the old stock line might be jumping a little bit. You know, because this is a team, let's remember, beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week three, 34-24. To this point, up till this week, their only loss was to Arizona, 37-20, which ain't nothing to really, you know, cry about. Hey, it's Arizona. They're fucking good. Mm -hmm. You know, they beat Seattle 26-17, and now they got the loss to Tennessee with 28-16, but they got a very interesting next couple of matchups where they've got San Francisco on Monday Night Football this coming week, by week and week 11, and then they're going up to Green Bay the week after. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, and all the meanwhile, you've got Tennessee, who's on a one, two, three, four, five-game win streak, beating the likes of Jacksonville, Buffalo, sorry. As was. Uh, Kansas City, Indianapolis, and now the Rams, and they've got the Saints, Texans, and Patriots coming up before their bye week in week 13. That's going to be a stretch run for mm-hmm. Tennessee, and especially without Derrick Henry. I mean, this is a good win to build some momentum off of, and that's what Tennessee should be doing is look what you did here, and this proves you can hang with anybody in the league. Derrick Henry or no Derrick Henry. Right. With Derrick Henry, definitely he, helps. he sways things in a different manner for your offense. Yeah. yeah. But for Ryan Tannehill to actually get some time and move the ball, that's a good sign. Yeah, especially we know they're they haven't really been putting on those highlight real moments. Yeah, for the most part, for Tennessee to get into a groove for the playoffs this is now something that can get the ball rolling for that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to carry him through because it's going to be a tough run. Yeah, but it's possible. Yeah, I'll say Air, uh, Tennessee is much like Aaron Judge, great hitter. Give Aaron Judge a metal bat and he's fucking insane. Yeah. In this case, uh, you know, Aaron, Ju- Aaron Judge is the Tennessee Titans, and the metal bat is Derrick Henry. Yes. So we'll have to see what they do moving forward, but uh, that game definitely was whew, Yeah. Just that's the easiest way to describe yeah. it. Yeah. Another wild game was the leap. I chose the Philadelphia Eagles to beat the Chargers because I figured, hey, Chargers are on a bit of a stumble right now. Eagles might be able to pull it off. It's at home for the Eagles. West Coast team coming east. Early game. You know, all that, but I was wrong. Uh, Chargers winning by the final score of 27 to 24. Justin Herbert, uh, 32 of 38 for 356 yards passing. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. Jalen Hurts, 11 of 17 for 162 yards passing. One touchdown, no interceptions. Can we officially call the Chargers the Los Angeles Harvey Dents? Because I swear to you, you can flip a coin before every game and that is literally how you decide what Chargers team is going to show up. I can't figure this team out. No. And I have been watching them since LaDainian Tomlinson has been playing. Sure. Because I always had him on my fantasy teams. I just don't get this team whatsoever. Yeah. Because certain weeks we look at them and it's like, why do you guys wear uniforms? You sure you're yeah, not yeah. even looking like a team. Yeah. And then you have games like this where they shouldn't be playing as well as they did, and yet coming to the East Coast and win a very solid game against a Philly team that, look, they showed up this week. Oh, yeah. They were definitely testing them out. I mean, this is something that for the Chargers, especially with how topsy-turvy 
the AFC West is. Mm-hmm. This was a great win for them. Oh, yeah, much-needed win for them, too. And, and I'm with you. I can't figure this team out just because I'm looking at their schedule. They won their first game against Washington. Okay, that's a game they should have won. Lost to Dallas, 20-17. to 17. Okay, Dallas is really fucking good. Mm-hmm. Then they rattled off three wins in a row, beating Kansas City, the Raiders, and then the Browns before getting 34 points hung on them by Baltimore in a 34-6 to six loss. Took a bye week, came back and then lost to New England the following week, and then you beat Philly at home or on the road in Philly. What the hell is this team? Yeah, I can't figure them out. I mean, this is just one of the more puzzling enigmas sure. in all of sports because the Chargers have the talent, and they should be dropping 35 a game mm-hmm. in their sleep. Yeah, That's how talented they are. But yet... We've seen just these flashes of, you know, disarray. Yeah. And now it's like, okay, we got a big win on the road, which we needed. Yeah. Where do we go from here? Yeah. And that's kind of the the takeaway I had from this because, I mean, Justin Herbert played well. I mean, 356-2 and is nothing to sneeze about. Pretty damn good. 9.4 yards a pass. Yeah, and Keenan Allen got over 100 yards receiving. Mike Williams, 58 yards. So he definitely spread the ball around. And this when they do this, this is typically when they win. And that's something to really set the example for for that AFC West because, like I said, it's wide open right now. Oh, yeah. And yet the Chargers had an impressive win. And and this isn't a shot against Philly, too, because I know they play in the NFC least. Mm Mm-hmm. But with Philly, we know this is a rebuilding year, and I think everybody can admit to that. Yeah. We're not expecting Philly to do anything substantial this season. Yeah. Yeah. But they definitely gave the Chargers a run for the money, and that's the one thing that you have to notice is for a team that should be dropping 35 in their sleep and it was a good win on the road. Yeah. The game shouldn't have been this close. Only thing I can think is that this game was a shootout and a defense is optional game just because it was 7 nothing uh, Chargers after the first quarter. Philly came back with 10 points unanswered in the second quarter, so it was 10-7 at halftime. Then you had Chargers score 9 points compared to the Phillies 7 in the third quarter, and then it was 11 points from the Chargers to Philly 7 in the fourth quarter. You know... I, I think this was just a shootout defense optional because, you you know, you mentioned Keenan Allen and Mike Williams numbers. But then also on the flip side for Philly, Jordan Howard had 17 carries for 71 yards rushing, one touchdown. And then Devontae Smith, have a game, why don't you? Five catches, 116 yards with one touchdown. Yeah, they finally got him going, which I've been waiting to see all season. So this is Smith's best game since he's been in the league. But like you touched upon, I mean, the Chargers, they don't strike me as Super Bowl contenders because even though they have the talent, sure, we don't see that effort consistently. Now, this is going to be something to watch compared to their next game. Mm-hmm. Because are they going to be able to do this when they're really challenged? Philly is playing with house money. Yeah, we've already we can't stress that enough. They're not going to be making a run into the playoffs. No, I mean, unless God something no. cataclysmic happens to yeah. uh, Dallas. But yeah, let's be honest, not arguably likely to happen. So. The Chargers definitely need this win, mm-hmm. and they got this win. I mean, like I say, to go forward from here, that's going to be the big challenge. Yeah. And looking at who they got? Yeah, so they got Minnesota at home this coming week, and then they've got Pittsburgh, Denver, uh, Cincinnati, the Giants, the Chiefs, Texans, Denver again, and then the Raiders to close out the year. So they're going to be challenged. Oh, yeah. You know, they definitely – I mean, like I say, anytime you're facing your division, it doesn't matter how the mm-hmm. rank is. 
And that's going to be the big challenge for them. So yeah. if they want to try securing that AFC West, they're going to be tested. Can they put a, a, together a game like this every week? Yeah. That's the big takeaway from this game. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, man. Because Philly, Philly is Philly. Philly's currently, I'm looking at the uh, playoff standings as we record, and uh, according to ESPN.com, uh, they have Philly currently in the 12th spot. You know, mm. So they're three and six, but ahead of them they've got San Francisco, Seattle, Minnesota all at three and five. Uh, so that's, you know, 11th, 10th, and 9th place. And then eighth place, you've got Carolina at four and five. So they need some help, but they're not out of it yet. They're not out of it yet, but I mean, let's face it, with the teams that you read ahead of them, yeah. are much better teams. Especially with Seattle, everyone kind of goes, whoa, Seattle's in 10 spot. Well, you got to remember, Russell Wilson's been out for a while, and that pins out of his finger, folks. And according to the doctor who did the surgery and, and helped him, he, that doctor has never seen a man more determined to come back from an injury than Russell Wilson. Oh, yeah. The minute Russell gets back on the field, it's a different team for Seattle. That fire is lit under his ass. Yeah, Seattle's been treading water right now. Yeah. That's all they need Shout to do. Shout out to Geno Smith for that. I, I'll give him his credit, man. I was surprised at how okay he's played. Yeah. I don't want to say great, but, no, it's <laughs> but serviceable. He's been very, very serviceable. And that's what you need when your starting quarterback goes down. So if this happens to the Chargers, they're going to be in bigger problems. And for Philly, you need a lot of luck, but let's face it, it's not happening. Yeah, no, it's going to get interesting, though, just because I'm looking at their schedule. Uh, this coming week, they're going to Denver to play the Broncos. After that, they've got the Saints. Uh, at going up to New York to play the Giants. Then they're staying in New York to play the Jets. They've got a bye week in week 14. And then their final one, two, three, four games of the season are all divisional games. They've got the Washington, Giants, Washington, and Dallas. Yeah, that's a tough run for hey. them. I, like I say, I don't think they're going to do it this year. They could maybe get hot and try pulling set something your, Set yourselves up nicely because I can see one, if not both of those Washington games really screwing you over if you don't win them. Yeah, I could definitely see that you, happening. You have, you, to me, you have to win both of those Washington games. Well, Washington is the worst team in the NFC least, so you know what? that You should be beating them if you're going to be a contender for the playoffs. Should be, but you got to remember, divisional game. Yeah, that's the whole point. So, like I said, I don't think Philly is going to do it this year, and this was a tough loss for them because they could have won this game, but – you have to give it to the Chargers. They yeah. sh- they showed up for once on the East Coast. Yeah, can they do this again? Wait Jur- and see. Jury's still out. Yeah, jury's very very out about that. The one thing the jury's not out about, and I know you are happier than anybody about this. Those New England Patriots. Hey yo, roll on. The Mac Jones Show is on a roll right now. Yeah, it is. So, Pad, I'll let you do the honors. Yeah, so uh, the Patriots were not favored to win this game, uh, and they or were they? I don't remember. No, they were favored. Oh, they were, oh, they were favored. Okay, uh, and they ended up winning by the final score of twenty-four to six. Mac Jones, twelve of eighteen for one hundred and thirty-nine yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Sam Darnold, uh, sixteen of thirty-three for one hundred and seventy-two yards passing, no touchdowns, three interceptions. Folks, if you're not buying into the Patriots or a real threat to win the AFC East, you need to really check your eyes. They are definitely in that conversation. They're like a half game or a game out of first place. If you're not believing it, and this is coming from the biggest Bills fan you're going to hear, I did not think Mac Jones would be playing as well as he is right now. Mm -hmm. I thought this team would contend, but I'm telling you right now, I could see them sneaking that AFC East. I'm think I'm thinking AFC East is a 
pipe dream for me. It'd be nice, but I'm holding my expectations low. I think there's a very real chance for them to make the playoffs this year, and I didn't think that was possible to start the season. Yeah. But with Tennessee losing Derrick Henry, you've got Cincinnati playing as suspect as they are these days, and there's a whole bunch of other teams that are technically ahead of them that I'm like, you know what? They could slip in ahead of them. They could make the playoffs. Now, whether they make a deep run of the playoffs, I have no idea. I know there's some folks on television saying they'll make it to the Super Bowl, and I say to that, you're out of your fucking minds. Yeah, I think they're a couple years away. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you know, they, free agency can do a lot in an off season. But if you're asking me right now, they're two seasons away. Yeah. But it's not to say that they couldn't make a deep run into the playoffs next year. Yeah. But everything hinges on Mac Jones mm-hmm. and what he's done to this team. I'm not saying he's Tom Brady 2.0 by any means. No. But he has instilled some confidence in this offense to really be a contender in each game. Your running game has actually been somewhat consistent, more than it's been previous Running weeks. back by committee, but yeah. But right, but you're moving the ball on the ground, which is something that the Patriots not necessarily known for. I mean, not I think that's an honest statement. Yeah, no, it is, and not in a number of years, honestly. Right, but with the next man up mentality, mm-hmm. this team is winning games, and they're being very, very scrappy about it. And yeah. that's, and that's the, the one thing that you see with the Patriots is, I'm not seeing that intimidating force just yet. Sure. That, I mean, I've had to see for multiple years ever since Tom Brady took the helm. But what I am seeing is a team that fully knows they're playing with house money this year Mm -hmm. and are going all in a lot more than they should and coming out winning the money. Yeah, and I'm I'm hearing a lot of stuff just from how much the players love Mac and how much they rally around Mac that – it's really surprising me. Like, I'm not seeing the full Brady effect, much like you said. There are glimpses of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, there's there are, glimpses. There sure. are moments of it, but it's not, like, fully realized. You know, he, he's not a fully realized Jedi Master type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm seeing glimpses of it, and I'm very happy, and I'm very pleased with the development that I figured we'd see this a couple of years. I figured this year would be – I'm not saying, like, Peyton Manning interception record bad, but, like, I still figured this season would be rough. Yeah. And the fact that we're sitting here – Week nine, five and four, you know, so haven't played either of the games against Buffalo yet, but we're still sitting, you know, essentially a half game out of first place. Like, yo, I'll take it. Yeah, you have to be happy about this if you're a Patriots fan. You are looking ahead of schedule. And oh, yeah. this season, that is probably the biggest win you can have. If you get to the playoffs, that's just a cherry on the Sunday. Like, you are doing better than expected. And this is a game that they needed to come in and really steal away from Carolina, and let's face facts. I I think it's safe to say now, Carolina is not the team everybody thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. Sam Darnold, we thought, was maybe going to have a renaissance. Maybe. But let's see that stat line. 172, zero touchdowns, three interceptions. And granted, Belichick knows him very well. This is true. So this was going to be a tough challenge for him. And... This kind of went the way I thought it was going to go, to be honest with you. Carolina, I think, had been has flashes, extremely quick flashes of brilliance. Yeah. They're not there. They're a serviceable team. They will sneak a win in here and there, but they're not anybody that's really going to be making some noise in the postseason. No, they, and they really need Cinderella-style luck to get through, you know, just because they were 3-0 to start the season. You know, they beat the Jets, which, let's face it, everyone except for, you know, Cincinnati's beat the Jets. 
you know, they beat New Orleans and they beat Houston, but then they lost to Dallas, Philly, Minnesota, the Giants. Uh, they beat Atlanta, and then they just lost to New England. So this team could win, but it needs a serious load of help and some Cinderella-style magic to do it. Yeah, and I'm sorry. The magic is out the mm-hmm. door. That's not happening. Now, maybe they'll get some of it back. Christian McCaffrey did return from injury, only carried the ball four times for 54 yards, no touchdowns, which is to be expected. You know, yeah, that's, that's I threw him in. I threw him in my fantasy lineup because he was the best option available. But like, I wasn't expecting anything gangbusters. Well, you can't because if you're a defensive coordinator going up against Carolina, he's the only guy in that roster that scares you. Yeah, but Max. but you just got to load up the box. And I'm sorry, he's not the same type of bruising running back. Or excuse that me, Derrick Henry is. Or excuse me, I read his receiving yards. Uh, his rushing yards was 14 carries, 52 yards, no touchdowns. Yeah. So like I say, with him. You, if you can shut down McCaffrey, you shut down Carolina. Yeah, that's, essentially. Yeah, because I'm sorry, Sam Darnold is not going to beat you here. No, he definitely was going to contend, sure. But let's face it, I think the the Renaissance talk that he's back, unfortunately, is not there. I, no. had, I didn't see in this play. I saw a lot of the same old stuff that I saw when he was with the Jets against the Patriots. Sure. It was a weird deja vu. So this one exactly the way I thought it was going to be. The Patriots are sitting pretty. They'll say their defense is playing exceptional. You know, they got rid of Stephon Gilmore. So, you know, who knows what we would see. But now you've got J.C. Jackson, who is in the top three in the NFL in terms of interceptions behind only Kevin uh, Biard from Tennessee. And then that dude named Trayvon Diggs from Dallas. Yeah. And then you've also got Adrian Phillips from New England, who's got three interceptions himself. So you got two guys from New England. Top 10 in the NFL in interceptions without Stefan Gilmore. Yeah. I think the true test for the Patriots is going to be the Bills. Yes. When that finally comes down, you're going to see who's going to be your AFC East champion out of that game. Yes. I'm saying that neither of those games have happened yet. No, they haven't. And this is going to be no excuses. Everybody's going to be real seasoned by then. Oh, yeah. And this is going to be truly the game of the week. And I'm not saying this just being, you know, your Pats are your team, Bills are mine. Oh, yeah. I'm saying if the Patriots are real contenders, they got to really have a statement game against the Bills. And that first game's on Monday Night Football. Yeah, so it'll be a little must-watch TV, yeah, a little to bit. say the least. Patriots got an interesting schedule, though. Uh, they have Cleveland this coming week. Uh, after that, they go down to Atlanta to play the Falcons. Uh, then they've got Tennessee, Buffalo in Week 13 on Monday Night Football. Then they've got a bye week in Week 14. And to close out the year, they've got the Colts, Buffalo again, Jacksonville, and then Miami. That's a t- that is going to be a tougher stretch than I think people realize. But yeah. if the Patriots are going to be contenders... This is what they got to do. So I kind of have to wait to see if the Mac Jones train can keep rolling. I think he'll be just fine, though. Uh-huh. And then let's go to my leap. Uh, the elephant in the room. Yeah, which I have to admit, when we recorded. It made all I, the I, sense I, of the goddamn world. Yeah, it made all the sense because I could not believe that Aaron Rodgers was going to be an underdog to Kansas City with uh-huh. how absolutely abysmal Kansas City has played. Uh-huh. And then, Pat, what happened? Aaron Rodgers tested positive for COVID. Yep. And then the floodgates opened. Oh, my gosh. The stories, just everything unfolding about that vaccinated, not vaccinated, how everything was being handled. That is just such a messy situation. That's a PR nightmare. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. To say the least. 100%. And with that distraction going on, well, we now had the era of love. In Green Bay. When you stuck his parents up in the goddamn nosebleeds. Yeah, well, obviously going to Kansas City, you knew it was going to be a rough test for him. Oh, God, yeah. But Jordan Love did not play that badly, but he did not do that well either. Considering it was his first start against a team that's been to the Super Bowl 
twice in the last two years. Won one of them, you know. So an okay game. Uh, to, uh, Kansas City won, final score of 13-7. to uh, Patrick Mahomes, 20-37, of 37, 166 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Jordan Love, 19 for 34, 190 yards, one touchdown, one interception. I will tell you right now my takeaway from this game. Kansas City is officially overrated. Told you so. There is no question in my mind because let's face this. Without Aaron Rodgers, you only put up 13 points against a Green Bay defense that is not exactly striking fear in the hearts of offensive coordinators. Nope. This was not a great game by any stretch of the imagination. And for anybody that still thinks, well, you know, it was 13-0 at halftime, Kansas City should have absolutely destroyed the Packers without Uh Aaron Rodgers. It should have been a no contest. Especially since the Green Bay defense hasn't been known for a great defense since the, the Vince Lombardi days. I mean, since Reggie White, I think, was there. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But I'm going to say for what Patrick Mahomes was doing. Nothing sexy. No, I mean, obviously, connecting with Kelsey, you do what you do. But after that, in that first quarter? See, but I think, like we said, the blueprint, like I said at the start of the season, Mm -hmm. Golden State Warriors effect is in. You know, the magic is over for them until they reinvent themselves, and they have yet to fucking do it. You know, they don't don't have shit for a fucking run game. You know, their leading rusher was Daryl Williams, 19 carries, 70 yards, no touchdowns. All right, not that bad, but your your normal starter Clyde Edwards Hilaire is on IR with a knee injury, and Andy Reid said uh, four days ago this, according to uh, ESPN.com, uh, quote Coach Andy Reid relayed Friday that Edwards Hilaire knee is closer to a potential return from IR, but added, "We'll have to see how time handles it here in the next couple of weeks." So you're down your normal uh, running uh, rush uh, running back. So you got Daryl Williams, Derek Gore. Patrick Mahomes was your number three rusher, leading rusher. Mm. And then Tyree Kill, who had negative four yards. Patrick Mahomes had negative two yards. So the run game ain't scaring me like it normally does. Yeah. And then, so all you got to worry about is the receiving game. So shut down Kelsey, which essentially you did. Five catches, 68 yards, one touchdown. Not his normal stat line. Shut down Tyree Kill, four catches, 37 yards, no touchdowns. Who the hell else is going to beat you if you get, if you effectively shut them down? Nobody. Exactly. That's the big takeaway from that. Kansas City was lucky to win this game. Absolutely. As wild as that might sound, because obviously we know Jordan Love, who allegedly is the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Allegedly, allegedly. Because he was the number one pick a couple years back, and it started the whole controversy with Aaron Rodgers wanting out of Green Bay, allegedly, and then the back and forth between him and the front office. Allegedly. You know, there is just so much drama in Lambeau right now. HBO's got to be calling the front office going, yo, can we do our next season there? Oh, my God. They they need to because you think about this and then the PR nightmare yeah. that was Rogers trying to explain his status of vaccination, mm-hmm. which is just... He's a dumbass. Let's let's call it what it is. He's a dumbass. Yeah. It's just... Because I'll, I'll say this. Whether you want... Whether you are, are you know vaccinated or not is your choice. I, if you are not, I tend to disagree with that, but hey, it's your choice. Right. What I don't agree with is him lying about it. Yeah. And I'm sorry, you can sit there and say the media should have pressed him more and, and should have cl- asked him to clarify, well, what do you mean by immunized? But hey, I will sit there and admit as somebody who heard the clip and actually forgot about it, 
Like, oh, okay, immunized. He's he's got it. You know, so for him to outright lie, he can't sit there and say, oh, I didn't lie. No, you did. Mm-hmm. You know, for him to lie about it and then try and spin it as, as some other type of way, you're a dumbass. And, and there are reports coming out now that he's, you know, shocked at the reception he got from his interview on the Pat McAfee show. My guy, what the fuck did you think was going to happen when you came out, when you came out and said all of that shit? The fact that you go out there and say, "Oh, I'm I'm sitting there and and, and taking ivermectin," which is such a friggin' bulk can of worms, I don't even want to get into it. Mm-hmm. You know, and sit there and go, "Oh, I consulted with with a lot of doctors and Joe Rogan." Yeah, sorry, Joe Rogan's okay on on the commentary mic for UFC. Do not take that man's medical advice. He has said that himself. Yeah, why? Why the fuck you would sit there and consult Joe Rogan for medical advice? You're a fucking idiot. But Aaron Rodgers is a fucking idiot, and I got to admit, I have lost almost all respect for the man. That I used to think he was one of, if not the best quarterbacks of all time, especially one that I have seen. And I've been fortunate enough to see some of the great ones in my time. I've gotten to see Dan Marino, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, you know, many, many others. I've lost almost all respect for Aaron Rodgers because of this shit. Like I said, I don't care if you're vaxxed or not. That is your own personal choice. Right. I disagree with you if you're not, but hey, it's your choice. Aaron Rodgers, you're a fucking dumbass. I worry about my own house when that comes to that. Like, so I'm, I'm with you. Like, you know, it, whatever you want to do, that's your business. Vax or not vax. But how Rodgers addressed that situation was one: he should have worked with a PR team. And maybe made some better choices in his explanation. Uh huh. Because I'm sorry, the fact that you were admitting that you were taking your advice from people that are not exactly uh, certified, yeah, to be giving that advice, and yeah. they've even said, "Don't take my advice about it." Yeah. <sighs> like it's just such a bad look that you just really sat there and went, "Like, are you serious right now?" Uh huh. And now. Where do you go from here? This has tarnished his career for the rest of his life. And some people might be going, whoa, 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 slow down. That's not the case. Let me give you some examples. Barry Bonds. Mm-hmm. Considered one of the best hitters of the of his generation. And then the steroids crap came out. And now he's remembered for steroids. Roger Clemens. One of the best pitchers of all time. The 20 strikeout game, whatever the hell it was. And the steroids stuff came out. A-Rod. Mark McGuire. Sammy Sosa, all of those guys, great hitters in their own right. And then something came along that tarnished their reputation, and that's what they're remembered for these days. A-Rod ain't remembered for that one post decent postseason in 2009 where he got the World Series. He's by and large remembered for the steroids and all the bullshit. Rodgers, this has effectively tarnished his career. I will say this. I, I, I do think this does put a very big asterisk on his career. But in those comparisons that you were making, though, those were performance enhancing sure. stuff they did. Sure. This was not, but just the public perception of his rationale and basically outright deceiving yeah. the protocols that were in place. Yeah. That's the takeaway from that. Because let's not forget, there are very specific protocols in place for folks in the NFL who are vaccinated and are not vaccinated. I forget the specifics, but there's one of them that, like, if you're not vaccinated, you're not supposed to be among social gatherings, you know, within a certain fee and over a certain amount of people or, you know, the typical stuff. There was the video on fucking Halloween of him at the party dancing without a mask on. And he's not vaccinated. And Christ knows if he was infected with it at that point. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole different ball of wax. But to put that 
spotlight on your team uh-huh. because let's face it, Jordan Love was already going to have enough problems whenever he was going to take the field because yep. he was replacing Aaron Rodgers. Uh-huh. Now you forced him to play early against a team that, albeit though, he could have beaten. Sure. But the rest of his team is not exactly that great. Aaron Rodgers, take the side drama away. When he's on the field, he makes good players great. Uh-huh. Jordan Love is not on that level. No. He no. is a project that we have to wait to see is how it's going to unfold. He needs some reps, which, let's face it, he's the backup. He's not going to get that many reps during the season. Absolutely. And and he needs some work. Yeah. Which, let's face it, when you throw the guy in against a team that has been the, is the two-time defending AFC champs, you're going to have a rough start. I don't care who the fuck you are. Oh, absolutely. And that's, and that's the takeaway I'm getting from this game is – Due to Rodgers and the egregiousness of his explanation uh, and him not being able to be on the field, yeah, you now forced your heir apparent on there who was not ready. And the Kansas City Chiefs, who, like you touched upon, back-to-back AFC champions. Uh-huh. Won a Super Bowl, lost one. Still made it. Couldn't shut this guy down. And... The the Packers were in the game yeah. the entire time. If this is not a cause for panic, I'm not sure what is. Yeah, it was, it was 13 to nothing at halftime. You know, Green Bay did not score their only touchdown until the fourth quarter. So if Jordan Love was able to get it going the hair quicker, could have pulled it off. Yeah. So Green Bay, we'll have to see how that plays out. Because I, I, the Rodgers cloud now. That ain't going away. It's not going away. When he comes back, too, that's going to be lingering on at every single press opportunity for the remainder of the season going in the next. Guarantee you that. But for Green Bay, we have to wait to see how the everything else shapes up from here. Yeah. For Kansas City, there is problems. Houston, we have a problem. And if you're saying, well, you know, is Green, you know, Green Bay is seven and two? It, no, no, no. This is the same thing we said a couple weeks ago. We're like, okay, you beat a team, but it was without their starting quarterback. Congratulations, they weren't at their peak performance. Yeah. You guys should have. This, this is a game you should have won, and this is a game you should have won by three scores, if not more. Facts. And that's something that I'm saying right this, now. This should have been like the Patriots game a number of years ago where they were playing Washington, and I'm sorry, Washington fans, but the Patriots put 56 on Washington. Mm-hmm. This is what it should have been. Like, Green Bay's defense is not good. Yeah. You know, they Kansas City should have hung more on them. They should have hung more. This is a very bad game for Kansas City. I don't care. They won. Being five and four in that division, you still got to deal with the Raiders and whatever Chargers teams decides to show up. Speaking of the Raiders, that's who they have next week. And Sunday night football. Oh, that's gonna be a, <laughs> that's gonna be a brutal game. Oh, by the way, it's in the black hole 2.0 in Vegas. I'm gonna say this right now. The Raiders should win that outright. Kansas City is going to get tested because they've got that game, and then they've got Dallas the week after. Yeah, but the pretenders, like I said, if you're struggling against Green Bay, how are you going to handle those two teams? And I understand what happened with Dallas this week too, but I'll get into that when we do our our roundup of the league. Kansas City is in trouble. Uh Uh-huh. Big-time trouble. The finger is not hovering over the panic button. The finger is on the panic button. Absolutely. The button is getting pressed. Yeah, you can't say anything otherwise about that. So good luck for the rest of the season. But I think that the dynasty is proverbially over. Or on pause. Yeah, until some something dramatic happens to reignite that. Because from what I've seen on the field, 
if you couldn't beat an Aaron Rodgers less Packers team, yeah, good luck against the Raiders who are a playoff team. Even yeah. though it didn't happen this Sunday, but we'll get into that. Yeah, not in, yeah. in regards to the Packers, they have Seattle uh, this coming week, and then they've got Minnesota Rams by week in Week 13. Through then to close out the year, they've got Chicago, Baltimore, Cleveland, Minnesota, and Detroit. Now, Rodgers could, in theory, come back from the COVID list on Saturday in Seattle. It's a home game; he wouldn't have to fly and all that nonsense. You know, so in theory, he could come back for the Seattle game, but I was reading today there's a chance he might not come back for the Seattle game on Sunday. So we'll see when he comes back. Yeah, it's going to be a very, very interesting story to watch in the week to come here and then how it plays out for, moving forward because that story is not going away anytime soon. No. No. So let us take a quick recap of the week that was. The Colts did what the Colts should do against the Jets even though the greatness of Mike White was taken out of this game. <laughs> 45 to 30 was the final there to kick off the week on Thursday night. Pad, is there any thoughts about this game? Uh, Colts, I'd be a little worried. As close as that game wasn't out 15 points, I know. But still, the Colts uh, put up 7 points in the first quarter, 21 in the second quarter, 14 in the third quarter, and then only 3 in the fourth quarter. Meanwhile, the Jets put up 14 in the fourth quarter. I'd be a little concerned. Jets are fucking bad. Well, like we touched upon, the Colts are the most boring team in all of football. Facts. So the fact they put up 45, I was actually in shock of. I, I well, I was too, but hey, I, uh, they got the one receiver, Pittman Jr., who has been doing real nice for me in fantasy. Oh, yeah. He, they're putting up points very, very quietly. I will give you that. But they did what they should do against a very bad team. And especially when you take out the, the true starting quarterback – in Mike White, and you have Josh Johnson coming in, you know, it, it's going to be a different ballgame. Oh, yeah. Completely. Oh, yeah. Atlanta snuck one out against the Saints 27-25. to 25. So, well, 343 yards from Matty Ice will help. Yeah, he had – I mean, but it's division games, so you knew they were going to step up. And who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Atlanta won that game. Atlanta won that game, and really nothing going for New Orleans. I mean, Trevor Simeon, 249 yards passing. Alvin Kamara really didn't have anything going. 50 uh, yards rushing, one touchdown. You know, but Saints offense just couldn't seem to get going all the way they normally do. No, absolutely not. Dallas took a bad loss against Denver, 30-16. to So the only thing you need to know about the Dallas game is look up Stephen A's opening a first take yesterday with Michael Irving on the show, and uh, Southern Steve came out. Oh, my God, it's fucking phenomenal. Yeah, that's the only thing you need to talk about this game. It was a bad loss, but like we touched upon, week nine of the NFL was a bad week, uh-huh. period. There's at least one of these every year where it's like a bunch of underdogs win. Yes. So this was the week that it happened. Dallas will bounce back from it. They're that much better of a team. Every good team takes a bad L here and there. So, you know what? It is what it is. Baltimore snuck one out against Minnesota, who was leading the entire game. But play calling will do that to you. And you you have a team like Baltimore on the ropes. you got to close it. Also, when you're in Baltimore, when you have Justin Tucker. And we all know know Minnesota's uh, issues with end of games and kicking and all that. Mm -hmm. That is something that we all know. So, you know what? Not super shocked at how that ended. But, you know, I was going to say, Baltimore was on the ropes, but they found a way to win, and when you have Justin Tucker, that solves a lot of problems. Yes, it does. So, Cleveland, though. Oh, yo. Get rid of OBJ, and look what happens. I'm Hang 40 on the Bengals. I'm sorry. That 
that might be the biggest takeaway from this game is Baker no longer has to deal with that locker room problem that is OBJ. And I'm sorry. If you want to try apologizing for it, good luck. Every team he's gone to, there's been an issue with him. Uh huh. So I understand he cleared waivers. Congratulations for that. Pad, do you want him anywhere near the Patriots? Oh, fuck no. We got a young quarterback in Mac Jones. I do not want him anywhere near that freaking annoying receiver that is OBJ, and I'm being nice about it. You know, is he a good wide receiver? Yes. But is he a headache and a locker room issue? Absolutely. I do not want him anywhere near the freaking Patriots. Let's remember, folks, he got put on waivers. He went through all 32 teams, and the Patriots had a chance to take him, Mm -hmm. and they said no. I do not want him anywhere near this team with a 39-and-a-half-foot pole. Yeah. So that being said, the Browns might start making a run now. They might. Also, will the real AFC North uh, champ please stand up? Because nobody seems to want that first place. Well, that's the one thing with this division. I mean, it's so hard fought to win. And the Bengals, I mean, I think teams are starting to figure them out a little bit. Maybe. So they'll have to kind of do some rebound work and get back in the swing of things. Not saying they write them off by any means. Sure. But it's division, and Cleveland, I think, wanted to make a statement that, well, with Beckham doing what Beckham did, and I'm sorry, putting your QB on blast by making an Instagram video of how many times you were wide open and he didn't throw it to you, why would any team take a shot on you? In fact, that motivated him saying, you know what, we're a team here, and we won as a team. We dropped 41. What what did you drop, your cell phone watching the game? Sorry. Well, it's like I, I always like what Mike Tomlin says, and I'm paraphrasing. We want contributors, not hostages. Facts. 1,000% 1,000% facts. I will address the elephant in the room. Jacksonville. The baseball score? Yes. Won an extra innings game against the Buffalo Bills. Trap game, you could say, maybe, but I think the one scenario I'm seeing with the Bills a lot now against the sub-500 teams, and this is a scary thing for me, they're letting those teams hang in games that they should be going in there and shutting them down early. There's no way this is a trap game. They've got fucking the Jets. Right. But this is what I'm saying. Like, I think they went in going, okay, we beat Miami. We can turn it on here. We're going to Jacksonville who sucks. Let's face it. Stefan Diggs wore AEW cleats. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, why were you doing like that kind of mentality just showed me the bills did not take them serious. Oh, 100%. And that's why I say it's a trap game when you're not focused on winning and you're down there screwing around and they were Josh Allen played horrible. And some of the play calling, whether it was dabble or him audible, I don't know what. You had no rhythm going. And then when you did, you got out of it. I understand Zach Moss got hurt. I get that. But you still got to try running the ball. You went away from it. I'm saying, well, they went away from it hard because Buffalo's running game, yikes. Your leading rusher was your quarterback. Yeah. Five carries, 50 yards, no touchdowns. After that, Devin Singletary, six carries, 16 yards, no touchdowns. After that, Zach Moss, three carries, six yards, no touchdowns. That's not a running game. That's like a stumbling game. Right. And then when Stefan Diggs was getting double teamed, you got to start moving the ball to somebody else. Emmanuel Sanders is getting the ball. Four catches, 65 yards. Like, why did we not capitalize on that? But we took them too lightly. I will say this, though, and this will be kind of a recurring theme. The refereeing (laughs) in most of the games this weekend, especially when it was involving taunting, Mm -hmm. be more consistent, refs. 
Because why is it Tredavious White flexed, got called for a taunt, yeah, and then the Bills' Josh Allen got sacked, yeah, and the Jacksonville player went down on his knees and did like a uh, prayer slash bow, yeah, and nothing was called. I and I'm not defending this, but from what I've heard in a couple of like TV shows and stuff I've watched. There's a couple. This might get addressed. This rule might get addressed in the off season because it's like a couple of years ago when they put in the rule enforcement with the touchdown celebrations, and they were flagging everything left, right, and center. Mm-hmm. And then they turned around the following off season, reworked it, toned it down a little bit, and it got better. I, th- I think this is a similar instance where they put the rule in. It, you know, the dials turned up a little too high, so you gotta, you got to back it back down. But your food's in the middle of cooking, so you can't. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of a weird thing to see, but the Bills... Yeah, I, I fully anticipate, because this taunting rule is absolutely fucking absurd in a lot of instances, you know. It, yeah. But I, I think it's going to get addressed in the offseason. Oh, it has to. I mean, it costs too many games this week. Like, that's the point. Like, this week, you can take a look at about four games, and that taunt rule really played a factor. Yeah. Which I'm saying, for here, the Bills... They were getting hit with a lot of penalties. Jacksonville, not as much, but it is what it is. The Bills played sloppy. They deserved to lose that game. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, Josh Allen from the Bills definitely had his worst game I've seen him since his rookie year when he got in there to start playing. This is something the Bills are going to have to address. With the Jets coming up this week like you touched upon, they need to drop 21 on him. Yeah. It needs to be a three-score win. Otherwise... There is pause for concern, especially with a Patriots team that is on fire right now. Uh huh. So if playing the, with house money. If the Bills are serious contenders, you got to rope it back in, you know, pull everything in, and then start making those adjustments. Because if you're not doing it, and you're going to start losing to the teams that you should be blowing out, and I'm sorry, Jacksonville is a team that I don't even know what Jacksonville is. I, this is the first time I really saw Trevor Lawrence play. Uh huh. The body language he gives off, in my opinion, he's already checked out. Yeah, I, I had the opportunity to see him uh, while I was on vacation uh, in Delaware, and one of, we, uh, one of the places we went out to dinner had the, the one of the preseason games on, and it was on Jacksonville and Denver or somebody. Mm-hmm. So I got to see Lawrence play a little bit there, and granted, preseason, but still. He didn't exactly thrill me there, and I was watching you know, with my brother-in-law, and we're sitting there going like, you know, 10, 15, whatever, you know, how many years a piece between us, you know, we're sitting there going, he's missing wide open throws. Like, he's not looking like the guy that should be the number one overall pick, at least in preseason. No, he looked absolutely disappointing. So for the Bills, better come back next week strong. Otherwise, it's going to be a very, very long season because you might be one and done in the playoffs as it stands right now because I got to see something better from him beating a lesser team because when you step up against the higher competition – Mistakes like this are not going to be easier to come back from. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Miami defeated Houston 17 to 9. Nothing to really talk about there. Those Giants egregiously beat the Las Vegas Raiders 23 to 16. We had Arizona defeat San Francisco 31 to 17. Yep. And on Monday night, you want to talk about taunting? You hey. want to talk about refereeing? Hey. I'm just going to say this. The game should not have ended the way it did. Pittsburgh snuck one out against Chicago, 29-27. to This was a brutal game to watch. That roughing made the roughing from the Seattle-Green Bay game with the replacement roughs look phenomenal. Yeah. So, like I say, that's the takeaway. 
there's like four games that the refereeing was so egregious in it. The Giants game was one too. I know Rich from 3FN was definitely feeling that pain as well because he's a Raiders fan and oh, some, yeah. some of those calls. Oh yeah, yikes! You knew it was bad when the I, I retweeted somebody on Twitter because I saw it. I was laying in bed. I'm like, oh, this is funny. Where somebody on Twitter last night was like, but did the but uh, did they leave too much time on the clock for the refs? Yeah, you know because score late and you know, yada yada yada. So I was like, yeah. It's not wrong. It was that kind of vibe. It was a brutal week of football action, but let us know your takes. Hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your team looking like after week nine in the NFL? We definitely want to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Greetings, henchmen and loyal subjects. I am Evan the Great. And I'm JVD. We're your hosts of the Fictional Battle Podcast, Crossover Collision, brought to you by the Villains Demand. If you love hearing in-depth breakdowns of your favorite characters and what they are capable of doing while fighting in random battlegrounds against other fan favorites, then this is the podcast for you. New episodes drop every Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or over on thevillainsdemand.com. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we have to talk some UFC. Yeah. This past week, UFC 268 took place live from Madison Square Garden in New York City. And hey, oh, God. Oh, my God. This was a card of, to definitely have some thoughts about. So, Pad, why don't we do the recap of the main card? Yeah, so uh, the card let off, folks. Let off with a potential fight of the year, fight of the decade contender. Uh, in the lightweight division where Justin Gaethje defeated Michael Chandler in unanimous decision. Uh, a lot of folks online uh, saying this fight should have been five rounds and not making it five rounds was a crime. I fully agree with it. I'm not going to lie about this. You want violence, you got violence. Like You know the memes, I chose violence. Uh-huh. Oh my God, did they ever do this. This was as insane as the first round of Diego Sanchez and Clay Guida. This was up there with Shogun and Hendo 1. This was just pure mayhem in the cage. I'll say this fight did earn fight of the night uh, honors from the folks at UFC. Oh, it absolutely should have. This was just Chandler and Gaethje literally hit each other with everything they could physically throw. Sure. And we knew with Gaethje being off so long that he was going to be fresh for this. Chandler, listen, I understand this is back-to-back losses for him. It doesn't matter. No. This was a phenomenal fight. This definitely deserves the fight of the year praise that it's getting. Mm-hmm. And how they handled it. I mean, Gagey, to paraphrase, too, at the end, he goes, we were born uh, centuries ahead of time because we should have been fighting to the death in a Roman Coliseum. <laughs> he literally said that, and I he, I mean every word of that. <laughs> That's that, incredible. Oh, he said right in the cage after the fight because... Uh, Uncle Dan, I could see Uncle Dana playing the part of like the Roman Emperor, thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah, and this should have been five uh, five rounds. I understand why they did this early because uh, uh, yeah. the coaching staff was booked throughout the rest of the night. Right, right. For Gagey, so... right. So this one made a lot of sense, and now, I mean, where do you go from here? Uh, Pat, I got my answer. What do you think? Well, I think we got to look at what Mike Chandler wants because uh, on Monday, so two days after the fight, Mike Chandler posted a photo to his Instagram, at Mike Chandler MMA, saying with the caption 2022, and it was an altered photo of himself having a stare down with one notorious Conor McGregor. Uh, and McGregor did not wait to respond, saying, uh, replying to him, quote, I'm down at some stage for sure. Great fight the other night, Mike. Congrats. Okay. Well, I will answer that right now. Uh, Connor wants zero part of Michael Chandler. Chandler will run through him. 
And how polite Connor was, I think he understands that, too. Yeah, and Mike did respond, uh, thank you, sir. It would be my pleasure. See you soon, close quote. Well, you know what? If they did do that fight, it makes a lot of sense. It'd be a lot of dollars. It's a lot of dollars, and you know what? That would be box office no matter what. Because Chandler, like, let's face it, I don't care that he's lost two in a row. That does not phase me. No. Because, Pat, who did he lose to? Uh, he lost to Gaethje. He lost to Gaethje and he lost to uh, Charles Oliveira in the title yeah. fight. Yeah. That's not going to hurt you long term. No. I'm sorry. That, no. And I think Dana understands that. However, though, I think who's next lined up is Islam Machev. Sure. You know, like that is. He, I'm, saying I'm looking at the rankings, current number four. You have to make that fight. I don't understand why they, they're not jumping to do that right now. That's the only fight that makes sense to me for Chandler moving forward. And if Chandler bounces back from that, you could put him back in a number one contender match. That's easy. That's that's a no-brainer to me. But I don't understand why the UFC is not just fully pushing Islam right to the front there. Yeah, no, I mean, if, if they do want to do the Chandler-McGregor fight, that makes some sense. You know, obviously, Connor's a name. Uh, currently, the rankings, Chandler is a number five-ranked fighter. Uh, and then Connor's number nine. So, I mean, ahead of Connor, you do have Dan Hooker, Tony Ferguson, and then Rafael Dos Anjos, so... Yeah, I mean, this is what I say. They they got some different places they can kind of plug and play with. But for Chandler, I mean, this is not a bad loss by any means. No. This was entertaining. I would love to see this get ran back at some point. This, yeah. But you got to make it a five-rounder. Oh, you have to. But I'm scared because you might see somebody actually, you know, not make it to the end in one piece. Lose a jaw. This, Yeah, like I said, so this, there would be some serious damage done. Like I, I'm, ta- I, I'm talking like Mortal Kombat style, like jaw goes flying off the person's body. Oh, yeah, it'd be video game violence. And like, like I said, this was a fight of the year. Oh, Gaethje just looked fucking incredible. And like I said, it, it he gets the winner of Oliveira and Poirier. Mm-hmm. There, there's no question in my mind. You you give him that title shot. There is nobody in that division that is more ready for him. And the fact that he had all that time off, he looked fresh. And I guarantee you this. I don't care if, if Oliveira fights him, that's going to be the tougher challenge. Yeah. If it's him and Poirier, Gaethje wins via knockout. And this is not a knock against Poirier. Sure. But you're not ready at this stage with all the tread on your tires to go five rounds with that psychopath uh, in the cage because yeah. Gaethje will just go forward and just uh, it will not go to the ground. Guarantee you that. Next up. Uh, was a matchup in the featherweight division where Shane Burgos defeated Billy uh, Quantrillo in a unanimous decision bout. This was a fun bout. I mean, this one definitely was a sleeper on the card. Sure. But Burgos, he looked good. He looked very good in this fight. I mean, this was nothing super to write home about. And, you know, we kind of talk about the the blow off fights after yeah. big main events in wrestling. You know, you, you need the crowd to catch their breath on here. Yeah, this kind of was what happened here, but it's not a bad fight. I don't want to take that away. I thought both fighters really stepped up and did what they could in the cage. So definitely not super disappointed by this at all. But it was kind of like, in the, how do you come off after Chandler Gaethje? Oh, I know. And I'm looking at the ranking. It's, it's definitely a good exposure moment for the two of them. Just because, like I mentioned, and I'm double checking, uh, this is in the featherweight division. You've got Alexander Volkanovsky as your champion. And then you've got Max Holloway, number one. Brian Ortega, number two. Yair Rodriguez, number three. Chan Sung Jung as number four. Calvin Qatar is number five. Arnold Allen is number six. Josh Emmett is number seven. Uh, Giga uh, Chikadze is number eight. Dan Ige is number nine. Edson Barbosa is number 10. Bryce Mitchell is number 11. Uh, Sodiq Yusuf is number 12. Um, uh, Movsar Evlov is number 13. Shane Burgos is number 14. And Alex uh, Ceseres is number 15. So out of the top 15 guys in the featherweight division, 
uh, only one of them was in the top 15. So yeah. definitely great exposure for the two of them. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, nothing to sneeze at about this fight. It was a solid fight, but, you know, next, I guess. Uh, it was in the bantamweight division where you had Marlon Vera defeat Frankie Edgar via the ever-common uh, front kick knockout. Damn, this was brutal. I love Frankie. Frankie, you, throughout his career, has always been the proverbial underdog. He's a guy that goes in there and he'll scrap with anybody. Never matter. Doesn't he have like more minutes in the octagon than anyone in UFC? Yeah. Yeah. And he is somebody that, listen, he's on the back end of the career. And and that is not an insult by any means. No. But his legacy, listen, he's still relevant. He's been fighting for 16 years. Yeah. And he's definitely fought some. Professionally. He's fought some wars. Like, that's that's the easiest way to describe it. It's like, if you've never seen Frankie fight, Frankie scraps. Like, we always kind of throw that room, oh, yeah, let's scrap. No, Frankie scraps. Yeah, here it is. Uh, so he's got the to- the greatest total fight time in UFC history at 7 hours, 40 minutes, and 51 seconds. Yeah. Holy fuck. Well, his his trilogy there with Gray Maynard is that of, like, <laughs> decision legend. Yeah. I think they fought each other for, like, a whole calendar year, if I'm not mistaken. Either way, Vera, his time is now. Mm-hmm. And he's he looked good. I understand that they want to do uh, Sugar Shane O'Malley there yeah. against um, Frankie, but Vera came in. He definitely got his name on a lot of people's scorecards. Sure. And if you're not familiar with him, you got to now give him a top ten opponent. Like I'm not sure where he's ranked right now because I believe he was outside the top ten. Uh, so I'm looking at the bantamweight division. You've got Aljamain Sterling is your champion. Peter Yan is your current uh, interim champion. Then you've got T.J. Dillashaw, number two. Corey Sandhagen, number three. Rob Font, number four. Number five is Jose Aldo. Number six is Murab Devashvili. Uh, seven is Cody Garbrandt. Eight is Pedro Munoz. Uh, nine is Marlon Moraes. Ten is Dominic Cruz. 11 is Marlon Vera. He jumped up two places. Uh, Frankie Edgar is number four. He dropped down four places. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Rafael Asunko uh, is number 13. Cody Stamen is number 14. And then Song Yadong is number 15. Yeah, you got to get Vera in the top 10. Oh, like, yeah. if, if not, like, I, I just don't get it. Like, I understand he's young, but you still. He's somebody that's going in and doing some damn things. 28 years old, turns 29 in a little under a month now. Yeah, like he's somebody that is putting on memorable moments when you give him the time in the cage. So if I'm the UFC, I take a shot. I'm not saying you put him in a title picture sure. by any means. But give him a name in that six through eight range. I was saying, there's plenty there, too, just because in his, you know, from what I'm looking at on his record, he lost to Jose Aldo back in December of 2020. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, won against Sean O'Malley in August of 2020. But that was the stoppage of the leg. Yep. Uh, and then you've got, uh, he lost to Song Yadong, unanimous decision in May of 2020. So, and then after the Jose Aldo fight, so he beat, he's on a two-fight win streak beating Davy Grant and Frankie Edgar. So from what I can see, outside of Jose Aldo, he has not fought Dominic uh uh, Dominic Cruz has not fought Marlon Marias, has not fought Pedro Munoz, Cody Garbrandt, Marab Divashili, Rob Font, Corey Sandhagen, or TJ Dillashaw. And let's face it, he's not getting Peter Yan or the champ because, hey, that belt's got to get settled. Yeah. 
Ah, I don't know. You throw him against. I mean, I'd love to see him against Cody Garbrandt. I was just thinking the same thing. Like, I don't know if they'd run it back against Jose Aldo again, just because they did that back in December. So they did it a year ago. Yeah, and, and it was a unanimous decision win. So it's not like there was any sort of shenanigans, chicanery. Like, oh, we got to decide who actually won. You know, I was thinking Cody Garbrandt. Yeah. Garbrandt would make a lot of sense if they want to go that route. I, it, it, but with him, you just got to give him somebody in that top ten. He's making noise for the UFC. This is somebody that you want to build around and let yeah. him get, let him get some shots in. He's so, young, twenty seven or twenty eight years old. Yeah, I mean, this is somebody that you can definitely spark some interest in a division that is now catching the attention of the public. Yeah, let's face it, bantamweight was kind of quiet for a while. He's coming off back to back award bonuses. He won. Fight of the night uh, for his win against Davy Grant uh, back in June, and then he got performance of the uh, one of the four performances of the night uh, earned uh, on this card. Yeah, so we'll have to see what happens with him, Frankie. I don't know, man. Moving forward, Ret- uh, listen, I hate to say it, retirement. Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think at this stage it's time. You're 40 years old. Let me see when his birthday is. Uh, yeah, he just turned 40 years old. You know, last month. So you're 40 years old. You've been fighting, you know, his first professional. Now, keyword, I, I always say professional because there's no, I'm looking at, I'm going off the Wikipedia page. There's nothing there for his amateur, it was his amateur record. So mm-hmm. Lord knows how long it goes before that. But his first professional fight was on July 10th of 2005. You know, and his, he's been going since 2005. So he's been going, you know, all these years. You know, his one lone win in the last two years was to Pedro Munoz, a split decision win back in August of 2020. Lost to Marlon Vera, obviously. Lost to Corey Sanhagen. Lost to Chan Sung Jung in 2019. Lost to Max Holloway in 2019. Then you get his other win for, uh, against Cub Swanson in April of 2018. Hmm. I, I think it's time to hang it up. It's got to be up there, man. Yeah. Like, I hate saying it because I love Frankie, but uh, it but might be time. you got one win in, like, the last three years. It might be time. Yeah. Next up, though, I believe it's co-main event time. Yeah, it was. It was one of the two belts on the line of, on this card for the Women's Strawweight uh, Division Championship. You had Rose Namajunas defending against Zhang Weili, uh, and you had Thug Rose uh, defend her belt, defeating Zhang via split decision, uh, 47-48, 48-47, and 49-46. Yeah, this one, what can you say? It's Thug Rose. Mm-hmm. Who... I was very happy to see her get the win because this was not an easy fight. Zhang tested her very much. And to see how close this was, I, you know, like I thought at one point it might have gone either way. Yeah. But Thug Rose definitely implemented her game plan. She looked very good. And to see that this was such a different style fight for her to come out with that W, that's a big deal. And to see where she goes from here, the UFC definitely is going to want to get her in a marquee matchup. And I know that, I mean, for the strawweight division, Carla Esparza is the one name that keeps getting thrown around. I think that fight would make a lot of sense. So I know that they were on the Ultimate Fighter, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. And I believe that Esparza beat her during the initial season. So... Well, I have to wait to see if the UFC does that, but that would make a lot of sense to me. Sure. I mean... To see Thug Rose, though, and like I say, her star and stock is rising with that company. And it's great to see. She's always an entertaining fighter. She's just, you know, when you see her in interviews, always somebody that's very charismatic that you want to check out. So to see where she goes from here is definitely going to be something to watch. Yeah. And for Zhang, I've said it once. I'll say it again. Give her Shevchenko. 
at 125. Yeah, I'm just looking at scorecards. It's very interesting to see how the judges scored this fight. Yeah, they there was a couple real egregious Yeah, because I'm, I'm looking at the uh, courtesy of MMAJunkie.USAToday.com, uh, where they've got the scorecards listed. Uh, for the Rose uh, Way Lee fight, uh, the one judge, uh, the yellow judge, because uh, they give the judges colors, mm-hmm. the yellow judge, uh, who scored at 49-46 uh, Rose, Gave the first round to Zhang Weili and then gave the remaining five, four rounds to Thug Rose. Uh, the white judge gave the first round to Zhang, second round to Rose, third round to Zhang, and the fourth and fifth rounds to Rose for the score of 48-47. Uh, and then the 47-48 from the blue judge gave the first three rounds to Zhang Weili and then the final two rounds to Thug Rose. Yeah, I mean, the judging was kind of all over the place. But like I said, they definitely tested each other out. This was not an easy victory by any means. And the era of Thug Rose is fully intact right now. So, I mean, that's kind of the wild thing to sit back and watch. But such a deserving fighter, I'm super excited to see her retain the belt. Then we get to the main event. Oh, boy. This one was for the welterweight championship uh, where Kamaru Usman was defending his belt against Colby Covington. And Kamaru did defend his belt, uh, winning by unanimous decision, 48-47, 48-47, and 49-46. Yeah, this fight was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. Sure. Colby Covington, listen, take the gimmick away from him is a hell of a fighter. Oh, yeah. And Kamaru Usman, without question, this is not even up for debate. You you can hit me at OD Parlay Hour on Twitter, and I'll talk to you. But I'm going to tell you right now, you're not swaying my opinion. Usman is pound for pound the best fighter on the planet. Uh, looking at UFC.com slash rankings, yes, he is listed as the pound for pound top fighter. Yeah, it's not even a question. He implemented a game plan. He took Colby and really tested him. And Colby, like I said, he really stepped his game up for this fight. This was not an easy battle for Usman. There was a couple times, I believe late too, like I want to say the fourth round, that Colby really tested Usman's chin. Uh, again, I'm looking at the judges' scorecards, courtesy of MMAJunkie.com. Uh, all three judges did give the fourth round to Colby Covington. Yeah, he really tested him. But Usman did what a great champion does. He found a way to get the win. Mm-hmm. It definitely really solidified himself as the guy right now in the UFC. Like I said, there's no question. I mean, obviously him at welterweight, it's scary to think like there's only one fight they could make now. And then everybody else, I hate saying about you clean out a division, but you might be talking that right now. It's close. It's very close because where we go from here, Kamaru Usman has to fight Leon Edwards. If Edwards defeats Jorge Masvidal, mm-hmm. that's a no brainer. There's nobody else. Well, I mean, you've got Shemaev in that division, but he's not ready for a title shot yet. You know, but here's the scary thing. Shemaev, if they do book that fight against Nate Diaz and him, Mm -hmm. and let's say hypothetically he runs through Nate Diaz. Sure. I'm not saying he's going to get the title shot, but I'm saying... He might get the title yeah, shot. Yeah, if, if if hypothetical he runs through Diaz, I would not be upset or surprised that he got the title shot just given the way his stock is rising. Yeah. These days. I mean it's just a it's, lot I know in a lot of instances because right now he's ranked number ten fighter. You know, so I'm like, oh you're jumping the line like but just the way his stock is rising, you have to strike while that iron is hot. Yeah, absolutely. Like I say, you have no other fighter in the UFC that is generating more buzz. No. Like I say, 
We can talk about the greatness of Usman, but if you're talking about a fighter that casual fans are now getting turned on to, uh-huh. it's Shemayev. Yeah. And he is definitely backing it up. And for a, a company that is desperately looking for stars, Shemayev is somebody that you could put in against Usman in that yeah. star versus star. Yeah. Because Usman, oh God, like I said. Promos. Yo, well, that's what I say. Like, Chimeev can talk, but I don't know if he's necessarily going to talk that trash to Usman. Probably not. He's, he's a smart man. No, he's very smart about that, which, like I say, Usman is now starting to run out of contenders at 170. Yeah. And to see where he goes yeah. from here, because, I mean, he's 15 and, and it's 0. not a bad division, but just you're beating everybody. Well, that's the thing. But, the, you know, the, it, it parallels to a degree George St. Pierre. Yes. That when you face fighters in your division and... Granted, GSP won a different way. Yeah. Because a lot of it was laying prey. Let's be honest about it. <laughs> yeah. Usman has taken everybody they've thrown at him. Oh, and yeah. There's been very few people that have tested him. Oh, yeah. Colby has won, but they're not going to run it back a third time. No. no. I'm sorry. Like, in fact, I think the hatchet is buried a little bit. There's, yeah. You, you can find some, yeah. some stuff online. It's not exactly buried deep, but it, it's buried. Yeah. Like, they kind of were very, very cordial with each other at the yeah, end of the fight, they, which they've got respect for each other. Yeah, which I don't, I don't care what Colby did or said in the post-fight presser. I, I, I think he's he went back to the gimmick, but I think what he's going to do now, Colby might go to pro wrestling. I think so. Well, I, I, I well I know one company he won't go work for, and that's AEW. <laughs> he was very vocal about them. Yeah, uh, said so they were quote unquote second tier. Yeah, but for Colby, I mean, it's kind of interesting where he could go from here. I think if the UFC is smart with their booking, I mean, if Leon Edwards does defeat Jorge Masvidal. It's Usman Edwards. You give Colby Jorge Masvidal in that in that fight, which fans have been waiting to see for a long time. And then after that, we kind of see how the, the smoke settles. I realize I'm jumping ahead, but if Colby does go pro wrestling and does go WWE, can we make his first matchup against Miz? Oh, my God, yeah. Colby versus Miz, especially just on the mic. Oh, my God. Well, I already give you this. I know we're going to kind of sway a little bit from the UFC here. Colby Covington will go to NXT. Oh, God. And you yeah. can imagine him yeah. him in that new class that's going to be coming up to the WWE in it's about true. a year. It's true. You get Colby adjusted enough. Colby is a worker. Yeah. And he will definitely accelerate at that because all he's got to do is generate heat on the mic, and that's all he does. That's all he does. You know, and like, say, I, said, like I said, say what you will about the gimmick. He's effective at getting his name in, in the headlines. Yeah. Like I say, it's, it's, it's very interesting to see once you, you can get him away from the gimmick, like when he breaks kayfabe. Yeah. He's very interesting to follow then. Sure. It's something I've been catching when he when he actually steps away from it. Sure. It's few and far between, but when you can catch it, it he's very interesting about how much you, you can tell that this is all a work. Oh, yeah. So it'll be interesting how to see how this plays out. I don't have a timetable about Usman's coming back, but I will say this. If Masvidal does defeat Edwards, I think we're going to have a long layoff. I think so. I because he was even kind of saying at, after the post fight presser, like he's still motivated and he's still hungry. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of going. <clears throat> where do I go from here? I know there was some there was some talk. Now it's not serious. So I want to stress. Sure, this is rumor. Sure, of him possibly going up to one eighty five. Oh. And fight one Israel Adesanya, but right. I know that they are very good friends. I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But granted, I think both of them would probably do it for the sheer competition factor. Oh God, yeah. But Usman is kind of getting that level where what else can I do at one seventy? It's, it's the GSP. It's also the the Mighty Mouse. The, just my, how many guys did Mighty Mouse run through? Yeah, Jesus, they ran. He ran through so many guys they traded him away. Yeah, exactly. 
it's a weird thing when you're on that level of greatness, but Usman is. We're just sitting here watching it. And, yeah. and to see how he is just so composed and so calm in the cage, too. Mm-hmm. Like, he's somebody that you don't see get rattled. No, he sticks no, to no. the game plan. He's so laser-focused on everything. It's truly remarkable to watch. And as somebody that likes to watch martial arts, mm-hmm. this is something very cool to see play out in front of us. He's, he's definitely on that level, though. Like, it's very hard to rattle him. And I don't think we... He's he's gotten shaken a little bit. I, you know, and I don't... Oh, mean, sure. Every fight I don't does. mean, oh, my God, like, eyes bug-eyed, you know. I'm just like, he's gotten shaken a little bit. But we've yet to see that fighter come into the octagon against him and really put a test to him, really put his feet to the proverbial fire. Where you you because I know we've saw saw it with John a few times. I know we've seen it with even GSP a few times. That we've yet to see that fighter who really comes in and tests them and go, "Holy shit! I need to rethink my whole game plan." Yeah, this is now the era of Usman. So to see where he goes from here is going to be really anybody's guess. But the fight that everybody needs to watch is now Leon Edwards and Masvidal in December. Yeah. That's going to be the domino that tips a lot of things in the welterweight division. Yeah. But overall, UFC 268 was a hell of a night of fights. You can catch the live reactions on 607 Podcasts on Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash 607 Podcast. So you should be following anyway. You'll see the live reactions of what we had to do with that cart. But let us know what you thought. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your takeaways from the fallout of UFC 268? We definitely want to have the conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You know what that sound means? It's another episode of Game for a Movie, where we ask, are you game for a movie? Tell me, Andre. There's no special features on that goddamn DVD. All right? Oh, wow. For Hansel and Gretel? Hansel and Gretel. You have a DVD She basically has sex with it, somehow. Foreplay. Yes. She's chair foreplay. I mean, they knocked it out of the park, which is why it's my number three. So. Oh! <laughs> yes. I mean, I wouldn't be in it because this movie doesn't have women. But, you know, it's you fine. Right. It has one? You would have that. three lines of dialogue. That's how much? Oh. Okay. So I'm actually going to get, like, I actually get, like, I earn my, my, my four sentences of dialogue rather than, like, here, have a paycheck. You just stood there on the screen. You're a sexy lamp. Anyway, we're not Phoenix too. Uh, so, no. So no. <laughs> no. 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 Because they really hate each other, so we get to enjoy some wonderful comedic scenes of them hating each other so much that they get into physical altercations that include her biting detective, ex-detective Phillips's dick. Okay. But we don't okay. in a hot tub. I, I know all of those words were English. But the way you constructed yeah, them, I'm lost. I'm not, I'm not finding their ratings on them very well. For those who haven't rated us or uh, liked or given us a review, don't say that we haven't given you anything of value after listening to this podcast. You now know the difference between an R-rated dick and an NC-17 X-rated dick. You're welcome. Thank you guys for listening to Game for a Movie, where we ask, are you game for a movie? We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And time to talk some wrestling. Wrestling. And we have to start off with some bad news because yeah. the releases have cometh yet again yep. from World Wrestling Entertainment. Yep. So, Pad, you got the list of the latest? Yeah, so this is the list of uh, wrestlers released from World Wrestling Entertainment. Uh, and I'm reading this courtesy of the mega thread that was on the Squared Circle subreddit. Uh, in no particular order, just from 
top to bottom. Uh, the wrestlers released are Scarlet, Frankie Monet, Ember Moon, Oni Lorcan, B Fab, Trey Baxter, uh, Katrina Cortez, Jeet Rama, Grand Metalik, Karrion Cross, Lince Dorado, Keith Lee, Nia Jax, Harry Smith, Mia Yim, Ava Mar- Eva Marie, excuse me, Zeta uh, Ramir, and Jesse Camilla. Uh, so kind of very shocking with a lot of these names. Yeah. Um, the one that stood out to me was actually B-Fab. Yeah, that one was a little surprising, especially since she was a part of uh, Hit Row, and they just literally got called up to the main roster. Yeah, and they've been tearing it up on there, too. I mean, they've been definitely driving the social media on there. They're, yeah. they're amazing to watch. So that was very surprising to hear. Frankie Monet was another one because she just debuted not too long ago. Like in six months ago. Yeah. And obviously Keith Lee and Karrion Cross was the two other names that really stood out. Uh, Eva Marie did not surprise me. No. I'm not going to lie about that No. One. So, Pat, I guess, what is your initial reaction to these? Definitely surprised, you know, by some. Karrion Cross surprised me a little bit. You know, Scarlet, not so much, and I'll get to that in a minute. Um, you know, Keith Lee, a little, a little bit, you know. It's always shocking to see these names, but then when you sit down and once the initial shock wears off, you're like, oh, you know what, okay. You know, I see some of this. You know, Eva Marie, I think... I, I kind of saw coming just they didn't really ever do much with her when she came back, you know, granted she wasn't back all that long enough for them to do anything, you know, but I, I kind of saw the Scarlet and then also the Mia Yim uh, coming mm-hmm. just because Carrion's been up on the main roster for a couple of months now, you know, since what before SummerSlam, something like that. Right around that time, right around that time, you know, and for whatever goddamn reason, she didn't come with him. She didn't, keep appearing on NXT to start her singles run on NXT. She just disappeared. Yet when you follow her on social media, she's still active on social media. So nothing was wrong. And it's not like she was under any sort of medical issues or anything like, like, no, she's perfectly healthy and fine. So for whatever reason, they didn't bring her with Karrion and Karrion went through two. reportedly there was going to be a third repackage when they decided to release him. Mm. You know, I think the writing was kind of on the wall for her that like, wasn't going to come up with him that for whatever reason, I don't know why, you know, she was phenomenal as his manager down at NXT. She's a great wrestler herself. So I think she could have, you know, bolstered the women's uh, division a little bit and even given you some new matchups that, Hey, let's face it. It's not Charlotte versus Becky for the 9,000th time. You know, and then Mia Yim, I think also at the same time, didn't entirely surprise me because, yes, she was initially part of Retribution and then wasn't. And we haven't seen her in I don't know how long. Yeah. You know, so I kind of saw that coming, you know, and then the rest of them, you know, Nia Jax was definitely a little surprising. Whatever the reason is, I don't know. I know there's stuff reported online or not, but until it comes from the proverbial horse's mouth, I don't entirely believe it. Um, and then, you know, some of them, or Oni Lorcan definitely surprised me a little bit just cause he always seemed like such a mainstay that like, Hey, he might not make the main roster, but you need some bodies down at, you know, at the quote unquote developmental level for some stuff. Ember Moon didn't entirely surprise me just because, you know, she had a great initial run at NXT and then she came to the main roster and really didn't do a whole lot. And then she made her reappearance back at NXT. But ever since, you know, as good as she is, and she's definitely a great wrestler. Let's, let's not get it twisted. You know, she's always, she just seemed to kind of have her tires spinning. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, for whatever reason, you know, she had the great run with Shotzi and all that, but just never really, you know, soared, you know, to great heights like I expected her to. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not super shocked by a lot of the other wrestlers that were gone just because I think that with how WWE has been doing things lately. Sure. It's really who's moving the needle now and who do they think are is going to be doing that moving forward because we've seen now there's been, as you reported, 71 releases. Yeah, I read online that since the start of this calendar year, so January 1st, there have been 71 releases from WWE. Yeah, that they're officially cleaning house and really tightening the books. I mean, that's all it's coming down to. The business format that Vince and Nick Khan are allegedly doing right now, I mean, yeah. perception is reality. They're really honing in and really tightening who they're keeping in on the on the books, yeah, and that's it's just a, it's a business move, right? And and it's like Rich said on six oh seven TWS, you know, according to Jim Cornette, at one time there were like a hundred and fifty five, if not more, wrestlers on the main roster. Yeah, that's not counting folks, you know, on developmental deals or like you know the not on TV roles. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a lot, and especially you know, go back a couple of years when it, uh, Survivor Series when it was Raw SmackDown versus NXT. And you had the SmackDown right before the, uh, the Friday, right before the, the pay-per-view on Sunday. And, of course, it's the typical, all oh, the brands are brawling. And NXT came in. Go back and watch that clip on YouTube. It's, honestly, I'll admit, one of my favorite clips from WWE in recent memories because it's fucking insane. There's a lot of fucking bodies in that ring. And it's just the men's divisions. Yeah, The women's divisions aren't invo- weren't involved in that brawl, at least from the clip I've got, say, from the WWE YouTube channel. You know, so there's a lot of fucking bodies and that's a lot of folks that you got to pay, which, you know, I know I used it in the the example in the chat last night, but for those of you who didn't see it, it's like at a restaurant. If you, let's just say you you picture yourself running a restaurant, whatever type of restaurant you want. Mm. And let's just say there's a particular type of entree or main dish that you like to serve. Cause Hey, it's, it's one of your favorites growing up. You like to serve it at at your restaurant. If you're spending money on the ingredients or uh, or for all the stuff to make this dish and nobody's buying it or very few people are buying it, are you going to keep purchasing the ingredients to make this dish? Probably. It's a great analogy. Probably not. You know, if you're spending money on this product and you're losing it's business 101, folks, you know, if a company is spending money on said product and it's not making them any sort of profit, you're not going to keep it around. You know, as much as it sucks and as much as, you know, one or two people might come in and say, oh, I really like that product. Sorry, like for a global company, a couple of people really liking a product when it's not making them a whole lot of dollars ain't going to keep it around. Yeah, if it's not making dollars, they ain't making sense. Yeah. I understand it from the business aspect. And it's just they're really fine-tuning their sure. roster because they're on on pace to have their greatest fiscal year in history. Right, and they're having great fiscal years now, but that they don't know what's coming down the line. You could run; they could run into a scenario where they're real bad fiscally. Whatever happens, you know, and they want to set themselves up. We're like, hey, okay, we know we'll be good. Should something bad come down the line. You know, another pandemic where we're forced to go back into, you know, the Thunderdome and and jump through that, if not something worse. I'm not wishing it. Right. But if something like that comes down the road that's worse than what we just went through, they need to set themselves up. Because let's face it, that whole thing caught everybody off foot. It absolutely did. So to see what they're doing, I I get it. I'm not a fan of it, but I understand it. I do too. But the one, I guess, liner note that people can look to is... No matter where they they go from here, sure. whether it's AEW who's trying to gobble up everybody they can get their hands on, whether it's Impact, whether it's Ring of Honor pending what the new format's going to be when they come back, yeah, 
to be on the indie scene right now, it's flourishing. Oh, God, yeah. This is nothing to sneeze about. So this is a perfect time to take the Drew McIntyre approach or the Uh Cody Rhodes approach. Make yourself stand out that people can't ignore what you do. Yeah. Because the best revenge is success. Oh, yeah. And to go out, steal the show, whatever card you're on, if this is your passion to do. Sure. That's what I think every wrestler should be doing that got released. That if I know that there was a few that were asking for the release and they were yeah. granted it. Yeah. I know that this is going to, this definitely surprised a lot of fans in certain degrees, but you know what? You got to just wear off the initial shock and then see where your cards are going to lay out. Because, like I said, right now, the independent scene has not been as good as it's been in a while. It's, it's, very, very good. Yeah, and you can definitely make some noise, build yourself back up, and then see what happens. Like I say, Drew McIntyre is probably the best example yeah. recently. Yeah. Cody was, you know, prior to going to AEW. Sure. It's taking that formula and doing that, you can really flourish. So I think that I first and foremost wish all the wrestlers that were released the best luck in oh, their, yeah. ne- their future yeah. plans. Yeah. And take that motto and then really go with it. If Impact's going to be in your future, do it. If you're going to go to AEW, good luck because yeah. that roster is getting pretty big right now. Uh-huh. And there's only so much TV time to go around, including yep. YouTube. So There's what? already so much TV time on WWE. You're going to go to a, a company, and if you do, that's fine. That's your choice. Mm-hmm. But it, a company that has not much more time on its airwaves. Yeah, so it's going to be a juggling act. But it's not to say you can't be a success because, you know what, when you put the work in, that's what usually translates. I will say the only one that really bummed me about the release was Frankie Monet, just because part of me really wanted her to get the main roster call up and then have a like a run with her husband, John Morrison, because that would have been fucking awesome. It definitely would have. I'm not saying we wouldn't we we still won't see that down the road. Sure, because this might be. I could see Frankie coming back. Yeah, I could. Like it's, it's she's kind of a puzzling one to me because I think that obviously her going to Impact. Would really be like a homecoming, and she's always done phenomenal work what there. What is it? There's that. There's that all women's uh, thing with uh, AJ Mendez starting up soon. Oh wow! Yeah, wow. I could see Frankie going over there. I, be- I believe it's Wow Women of Wrestling. Yeah, I I could see that happening too. I could also see her going to AEW, and you know what? She would be huge in AEW. Yeah. Well, you would think, but we've had a couple people go over there. And be like, oh, this is gonna be huge, and not yet. But it also it all depends too. I mean, AEW is kind of a tricky product, and this is one be this is gonna be a hell of a segue because right now, going into this week, we're going into their third pay per view of mm-hmm. the or fourth pay per view of the year actually to close out full gear. Yep, taking place from Minneapolis this Saturday night. Uh huh. So this is going to be a very very interesting card to watch on paper. It definitely looks interesting. Pad, we do st- stress for record, is not a huge AEW fan. Nope. By any means, but we still are going to get his opinions on this, and maybe this is going to be a selling point because with AEW, it's always a very polarizing topic. Mm-hmm. I think to put it mildly, either yeah. either you're very passionate about it or you're very anti it because the fan base can get very toxic. I mean, I'm not anti it; I just don't watch it. Well, no, no, but that's what I say. But but what's one of the biggest deterrents for it? Oh, the, the fan base. Yes, because the fan base. Like I say, the fan base when the when the shows and the products and the numbers do doing really good, you're fucking obnoxious. I'm yeah. sorry, it is what it is. And when you're doing piss poor, fucking crickets. Yeah, exactly. 
But going into pay-per-view week, you're going to hear a lot from AEW because obviously they want to hype it up to close out their year. Yeah. So let us break down the action going on this Saturday night on uh, BR Live, actually, on in the States, Fight TV <laughs> International. Good luck to you folks watching on BR Live. But that's why we say come on over to twitch.tv slash 607podcast because we will give you that live commentary and reaction, but we're not giving you the footage because, as we stress numerous times, if you're a fan, buy the pay-per-view. So don't ask for a link. Yes. We're not I might do it jokingly, but I'm not actually looking. Yeah, for we're it. not going to do that. Let's just no. like, yeah. But let's get to the card. Yeah. So uh, first matchup is a tag team matchup with Christian Cage and Jurassic Express. Uh, that being Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus taking on the Super Click. That in being uh, Adam Cole and then Matt and Nick Jackson in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Yeah. So this one's been kind of building up a little bit. Obviously, uh, Jungle Boy is going to be the breakout star. Sure. Uh, for AEW, he's he's definitely had I think over 50 wins with the company. Uh-huh. Christian Cage is since he's uh, signed with them has had one of the best years on record. Rich pointed this out on 607TWS, which you should be listening to as well for a deeper dive in the pro wrestling world. Uh, he was in WrestleMania. Yep. Or uh, the Royal Rumble, rather. Yes. He was at Impact's biggest show, uh-huh. and he was headlining AEW's biggest show. He's also he's also on the list of folks Randy Orton uh, attacked on WWE programming that then left for AEW. Yes, so he's having he's he's having a big a big year actually. Yeah, it's good for him, especially after you know so many years off. Yes. So that being said, I mean this one I think is going to go Adam Cole Bebe's way. Yeah, and you're definitely going to see him. Uh, see that team win. I mean, that one is, is kind of very predictable. I'd be very surprised, happily yeah. surprised if Jurassic Express won, but I think this is all super click all day. I, th- I think they'll make Jungle Boy look good because Luchasaurus is over Christian Cage. Enough said. Um, but I think they'll do enough to make Jungle Boy look good because, like you said, he's the next guy. He's one of their, their four pillars, I think I've heard the term thrown around. Yeah. You know, right. four pillars of, of AEW's future. But to that I say, yeah, because they're doing so well with Hangman Adam Page and, and his endeavors in the company. Right. MJF, another one, doing great. Yeah. Uh, I think they'll make Jungle Boy look good. But, yeah, no, if I'm not mistaken, this is Adam Cole's first pay-per-view match with them, with this company. Uh, something like that. You know, I don't I don't think they're going to waste it and have him lose. Yeah, I definitely don't. I, I don't see that happening. But, you know, to be honest, it, this one, like I said, it's all super click all day. Yeah. Next up. Uh, is a singles matchup between CM Punk and Eddie Kingston. Okay. Who wins this? The fans do. We win this because the Mad King, Eddie Kingston, has been the heart and soul of AEW. Eddie Kingston, who has an article out on the Players' Tribune, which just came out today, and you should absolutely read. Yes, you absolutely should. He waves the flag of AEW more than anybody, and he really takes a very passionate approach to every promo he does. And I am a huge fan of him. I, I love what he does with the work. And to see that he is now in a high-profile match against CM Punk, this is where things will be interesting. Because ever since CM Punk has came back, uh, the luster has been kind of losing it a little bit. Uh-huh. That we all thought that CM Punk would be the tipping point to get over. And it just really hasn't been going that way. CM Punk has been doing this weird... Uh, to paraphrase a little bit, I'm just happy to be here. Yeah, CM Punk, you know, and, and they've been holding him back. I know Tony Khan himself has even said in an interview that he's deliberately holding back on some CM Punk dream matches, to which I say, okay, I understand you don't want to burn through them all at once, but at the same token, uh, the gentleman known as Phil Brooks, a.k.a. CM Punk, 
just turned 43 back in October, couple mm-hmm. about a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have that much time left. Let's let's be real. He's 43. God forbid, heaven forbid. You know, he's one injury away from having to retire. I'm not wishing it, but it's a possibility given the profession they do. Mm-hmm. You got to pull the trigger on some of these matches. And you're, I think if you look at the numbers, folks were anticipating some of those dream matches. And the fact that you're not doing any of them, you know, people are turning away. It's weird because I figured he would be getting the matches Brian Danielson has been getting. Sure. And. If you haven't been following, we'll get into that when we talk about Danielson a little later. Punk, I thought, would be going in a different direction since his debut. But he's been really working with a variety of lower talent right now on the card. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I should say lower lower card members, not yeah. lower talent. But he's definitely been not in high-profile matches, I guess to say the least. Sure. This has been the first step in that direction. But as we've seen over the last couple of weeks... Maybe it's just getting back in the water and and really understanding how to swim again. Maybe. He's been showing signs of the old CM Punk. Not saying we're back there yet. But I think one big telling point is when he was battling with Eddie Kingston on the mic, Uh Kingston got over on him. And the crowd actually was chanting Eddie at one point. Mm. So I think this might be the start of CM Punk's real return. Yeah. In wrestling. Yeah. I do want Eddie to win, but I feel this is going to be CM Punk, but this is going to be a must-watch match on that card. CM Punk has to win this. Otherwise, why the fuck did you even bring him back? Now, that's nothing against Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston is a great wrestler, but he doesn't need this win. CM Punk needs to win this match because otherwise you're going to just turn more fans away because, oh, they're going to sit there and look, oh, you just brought him back to bring in a couple of views. You're not actually going to use him for anything. Right. So we'll have to see what happens on Saturday night. Uh-huh. Uh, next up is a singles matchup between Darby Allen uh, with Sting in his corner, taking on MJF with Wardlow in his uh, corner. All right, so this one's a little puzzling, uh, to say the least, but this is, you want to talk about the pillars of AEW. That I know that got thrown around, and I'm kind of like, I, I don't really get that statement, to be honest with you. But MJF has been your biggest and brightest heel on your roster and yet completely mismanaged, in my opinion, about what you should be doing with him on TV. Mm-hmm. So then you have now facing off against Darby Allen, who I will say this. Darby has grown on me a little bit as, as a wrestler. Sure. I I understand about the cult following that he has. He's, sure. He, it's, it's, it's interesting to watch. Like I he's said, an I, interesting person. Having seen him in person at New York Comic Con, he's very interesting. Yeah, he's... And the, I don't mean that in a bad way. Yeah, no, no. Like I say, he's, he's just... He's a different cat. Yeah. That's the easiest way to describe him. Yeah. But he definitely has a fan base, and to see how now this is going to play out, MJF should win this, but I fear Darby is going to win this. Yeah. That you're going to have a turn by Wardlow to solidify that. I'm not super excited about it because I'm already saying this. MJF has been away from the title picture, even though he should be in it. Rankings matter. He hasn't been there. Sure. This is one more step to Stanford for him. Yeah. I'm, And, you know, you can say what you will about all these releases. Oh, trust me, when MJF's contract is up, Vince and company will be ready oh, for yeah, him. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, MJF is one of the best talents in the ring. I've had the pleasure of seeing in person come through Excite, you know. We've gotten to see some great folks come through those doors, you know, with the Excite, uh, Excite shows. You know, and MJF is one of the best I've ever seen, and he's one of, if not the best heel I've ever ever seen. Mm-hmm. 
the fact that like I don't watch and I know that like this guy should be pushed to the moon and he's not is just criminal. Yeah, it absolutely is. So hopefully we'll And see. I'm not saying that as a guy who got called a fat ass by him. Yeah, this is true. I did. I'm I'm hoping they do the right thing and let MJF win, but I fully see they're gonna have Warload turn on him. They've been teasing it for a little bit, and that's why I'm like, well, maybe this happens here. I'm just fearing that we're gonna have MJF versus Sting at some point. Probably. But it is what it's gonna be. Next up. Uh is a tag team matchup for the AEW World Tag Team Champions Championships with the team of the Lucha Bros, uh, that being Penta and Ray Phoenix, defending their belts against FTR uh in Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler. This is gonna be a match of the night, probably. Probably. These two teams are real good. They're real good. They got real great chemistry. Uh I I don't understand exactly what's going on with Andrade hiring out FTR to do his dirty work, but Reasons. it is what it is. Reasons. But you know what? This is going to be a fun match, and I'm super excited to watch it. So you really just had to say these two were going to be in the same ring, and I'm like, okay, I'm there. Yeah. And I'm going to take FTR, hopefully, for the win. All right. Uh, I'm going to say Lucha Bros just because I haven't had the chance to see FTR in person, and I've seen Lucha Bros, although separately, mm-hmm. uh, seen Lucha Bros in person, and they're real damn good. Yeah, no, they're they're great. But uh, like I said, I'm hoping FTR wins, but, I, but AEW doesn't like to um, have their champions do short reigns. Sure. So we'll see what happens. Uh, next up is a Minneapolis street fight matchup between the inner circle, that being Chris Jericho, Jack Hager, Sammy Guevara, Santana, and Ortiz, versus men of the year, that being Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, plus American top team uh, in Junior Dos Santos, Andre Arlovsky, and Dan Lambert. Okay. <laughs> this is going to get weird. Yeah, to say the least. Dan Lambert from American Top Team has been arguably the best guy on the microphone. In pro wrestling. In pro wrestling, bar none. He's fucking fantastic. I love him. Uh, he calls it like it is. And he uh, he definitely knows how to get some heat on the crowd. Yeah, this is true. So with Chris Jericho now being the mouthpiece for AEW, it's kind of like this weird back and forth between them. I'm not a super big fan of the inner circle as a group. I do like the wrestlers sure. that are in the faction. Uh, Santana Ortiz, I think, have been vastly underused, in my opinion, on that. They should be around the title picture every time for the tag team belts. I digress. So now they've kind of led into this whole storyline where – Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky are now teaming up with American Top Team. Right. And the stipulation was that the inner circle got to pick out the members of ATT to fight them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really sure why they picked two heavyweights to fight them, but it is what it is. And then they picked Dan Lambert to be involved, which, uh, okay, let's go. Reasons. Um, so I'm going to say I'm going to take American Top Team by shenanigans. Yeah, no, this is pro- it's probably going to be, you know, that team by shenanigans. And there's not – I don't think – obviously, Street Fight is in the name. There's not going to be much wrestling in this matchup. I mean, just between the fact of you have Santana and Ortiz plus Jack Hager on one side, and then you've got Junior Dos Santos and Andre Arlovsky on the other side, there's going to be a lot of fucking brawling. Yeah, it's going to be brawl. I mean, that's all it's going to be. And like I said, I don't doubt Jorge Masvidal coming out and giving Jericho a knee. Yeah. Even though he probably should not be anywhere near this fight because you've got a fight coming up on your hands. This is true. Just saying. Next up. Uh, you have a matchup between Brian Danielson taking on Miro, and this is uh, the final matchup in the AEW World Championship Eliminator Tournament. Uh, and so the winner of this will receive a future uh, match for the AEW World Championship. 
All right, so it has to be noted, too, that uh, Miro is stepping in for John Moxley, who is now going into uh, inpatient rehab. Yes. So we definitely want to make that known, and our well wishes out to John Moxley, too, so as well. Good for luck that. to him. Absolutely. So Miro is stepping in, and this tournament, I I think it was going to be Moxley and Danielson in the finals anyway. Yeah. Danielson is winning this all day. Miro hasn't been on TV since he lost the TNT title, to my recollection. Yeah. So I don't see too much happening here, and Brian Danielson will win a title a shot down the road. Yeah. Typically, AEW doesn't like to wait around too long after they get this. This isn't going to be like money in the bank. Right. So I think that might play a factor into something later in the show here. Maybe. But we'll have to see But Danielson all day for this. Yeah, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the same thing. Miro's just stepping in to fill the void, you know, left by John stepping away. Uh, I think it's going to be Danielson. And I'll, I'll even say as to when he takes his matchup, probably their next, like, gimmick uh, Dynamite card. You know you know how, like, they sometimes like to do the special nightly event type of deals mm-hmm. on, on Dynamite? Probably the night. Like, if they do one for, like, Christmas or, or New Year's or Thanksgiving or something like, something like that. They did make a, a tweet out, Tony Khan did, uh, explaining how the last Dynamite on TNT will be taking place at Daly's Place. Uh, I'm not... Doubting it happens Could there, but that's kind, that's kind of where I'm thinking it might. Could be. But we'll have to kind of wait to see where it does. Because, but like I said, Danielson has been on a roll since he's been in AEW. He's had high profile matches in comparison to CM Punk. It's like day and night of who he's faced. And Danielson is definitely going over on here. So, just a matter of who he's going to be facing for the title when he gets his opportunity. Yeah. Next up uh, is your co-main event of the evening, and you've got Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, defending her AEW Women's World Championship belt against Ty Conti. Okay. This is Baker's all day. Uh-huh. I like Ty Conti. I like. I would much rather see them do women's tag team titles and her and Anna Jay be the champions for that to, sure. like, after a tournament. Cause sure. I think that this match, I, Ty Conti has been around the top, Number one contendership uh, because she's the rankings. Yeah. Um, the storyline for this has not been the best. Sure. So I'm I, I gotta admit I'm not super excited about this match. This should be Britt Baker all day. Why Thunder Rosa is not involved in this, especially with their history of pay per views, yeah. is beyond me. Uh, so this one it is a no brainer. This is gonna be Britt Baker all day. Yeah, no, it's gonna be Britt as well. You know, I don't even watch the show, but just. You need to give a decent run with her and just Ty. Yeah. Like I said, Ty is not bad. She's actually been very much improved since she was in NXT over here. But right. the fact that like we've had Britt Baker now on pay-per-views against opponents out of nowhere instead yeah. of the logical storylines. Yeah. And the way they're setting it up, it, it, it does a disservice in my opinion. So I'd I'd much rather see him run it back with Rosa, who there's history. It makes sense. Yeah. Or if you're going to do something, I know you're doing the TBS championship for the women's division, maybe have a title versus title match. Uh-huh. Do something like that at um, you know at your next pay-per-view. Because I know this one's all said and done. Like I said, Baker's walking out of this with a title. I don't see anything twitching. But I'm saying for your future, do something else where the storyline matters. Because for me, I'm just I'm sorry, I'm not invested in this one. Right. Don't care. Uh, and then next up is your main event of the evening uh, for the AEW World Championship. You've got Kenny Omega defending his belt against Hangman Adam Page. Okay. Now, Pad, 
Mm-hmm. You don't watch a lot of AEW at I all. I don't watch any AEW. Right. So you don't understand the storyline buildup that's been going on for this. Well, I know from reading Reddit and Twitter and such that the storyline with Adam Page is supposed to be the greatest in wrestling history. And that once the payoff happens, it's going to give people such great overjoyous feelings that they'll weep profusely from every pore in their body. Here is the thing. Since... They've started the company. Hangman was around the title picture at the beginning, yeah. and then they went away from him. And then he was yep. he was tagging up with Kenny Omega. They became champions. They eventually lost to FTR, and then there was the big split. Kenny Omega now became whatever interpretation of the best bout machine he's supposed to be right now. It's kind of a weird thing what they're doing Call with the it whole a elite parody version of it myself. But. Yeah, it's it's just it's odd. It doesn't connect with me. It's like I, I just don't get the whole gimmick between it's them. Like and a sh- it's like a shitty cool. bootleg. If you, it's like if you go to New York City and you buy a shitty bootleg of like some movie that's in theaters. That's what we got with Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega was supposed to be going back to his like New Japan, you know, days, and it was like a poor man's version of that. Yeah, so it's really not clicking on this. And then Hangman Page was kind of doing the drunk cowboy gimmick, yeah, which I was not a fan of. And then hashtag they, cowboy shit. Yeah, which I mean, I don't mind when he does cowboy shit. I I will say that I'm I'm good with that. But when he's just like too busy, you know, getting his his next drink instead of focusing on the next fight, that's how it came across to me. I'm just like, I don't care about this. This is stupid. Now we're finally seeing him in the title picture. I know that he was originally scheduled, rumored to be at All Out. For right. this, I know it didn't happen because he was, uh, for whatever reasons. Uh, so that being said, we now have it lined up. Mm-hmm. And this is the moment where Paige has got to win. He's got to win the belt. If they don't do it here, they're never going to do it. And quite frankly, he'll be right behind MJF at, at Stanford's door when his contract runs up. Uh, I have no idea who's going to win this match, and quite frankly, I don't care. I just know with the way I've seen online and you guys have described stuff to me with the way AEW books things. It's going to be Kenny. I fear it is because they're so high on Danielson, which this is another thing about tying it back to where we're talking about releases. If you're coming into this company, you're taking away a spot from somebody else. And like, you see how the original group that was signed with AEW back at the press conference in Jacksonville yeah, yeah. all those years ago. Oh, yeah. Joey Janela. Uh-huh. Pac. Yep. MJF. Yep. Hangman Page. Yep. Okay. How many of those guys are champion? Zero. Uh, and the thing I'll say with Page in specifics, because he was with the Elite and he was in that whole thing, and how mm-hmm. much Cody, Kenny, the Bucks... Everybody else was saying he's the future of this company. He is the next guy. He's the next. It's like every praise and comment that could be made about the man. Wouldn't you think in some form or another, they would build you up to be that way? Now, I'm not saying you're going to go LOL John Cena wins with it and give him a golden shovel and bury everyone on that company. No, sure. But you would still do stuff to make him look good, have him go on it's a, a decent run every now and again, have some loose some matches, but go on some decent runs and really show him out to be the great guy he is. Wouldn't you do that instead of what they've been doing and not this? If you're sitting there as a prof- as a free agent who just got let go from WWE or in the case of ROH, you know, with that whole situation, mm-hmm. if you're looking to get a push and you're looking to have a, you know, if you only got one, let's just say you got one more run in you, you know, like a Jay Lethal. You might have one more run left in you. Are you going to go to a place like AEW where 
They'll promise you and tell you you're going to get a good run and they're going to make you look like a million bucks with the possibility it might not happen. That's the question mark that you got to take. And depending on how what happens at the end of this main event, I think that's going to be a telling point to a now, lot. I'm not saying for those people, oh, WWE, they're going to do it. No, like make your own choice. But it's a question no matter what company you're looking at, you have to have a serious conversation. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's a fair statement. I think that you really have to take a look at how AEW is doing their booking. And if you're going to be happy with their style of doing things, more power to you. I'm not saying don't ever sign yeah. there. I'm just saying what I, I would like to see as a fan is a little more consistency in their storylines and not so all over the place a little bit. Sure. I And like I say, in between the ropes, the action is great. That's what I tune in for. And this storyline has been building up, and I understand that you know Paige was taking time off around All Out. Yeah. So I get that. I understand. Like I said, that's all I needed to know. That's I'm not dwelling on any other reasons why. But that being said, this is the moment to do it. You're starting that storyline back up. You put him in that picture, he's got to win the belt. End of story. If you don't, and it's Omega, and you're just doing this to feed it to Danielson, yet again, another WWE guy gets your title. Even if Hangman wins it, he's just going to feed it to Danielson. See, I don't know. I, to be honest with you, I, I would, I'd, ordin, I'd ordinarily say yes, but I'm going to say this. You can, you can hold me on this record. Sure. If Paige wins, and he has to wrestle Danielson, he's going to beat Danielson. Because eventually... Danielson has to lose. Sure. Everybody has to lose sure. at some point. Sure. And that's a huge win if you really want to establish Paige as champion. And that's what they should do. Note how I word that. Should. But we'll find out what comes Saturday night. A lot of stuff to t- discuss there in the land of pro wrestling. So hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH pod. And also remember to drop that follow for twitch.tv slash 607 podcast. We will be doing live reactions and commentary to AEW Full Gear this Saturday night. So definitely let's get in that social media conversation about Full Gear. Let's talk about those WWE releases and anything else going on in Atlanta Pro Wrestling. That's what we're here to do on the ODPH Podcast. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideman Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna go Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And Pad, what you got for that local minute? Gotta talk some Binghamton Black Bears hockey. Uh, the games they had last week, they had two games against uh, the Delaware Thunder. Uh, one of which was down in Delaware where they won by the final score of 6-4. to four, That taking place on Friday. Uh, they came home for their home opener at the arena here in Binghamton. Again, playing uh, Delaware where they won by the final score of 5-4. to four. And I just gotta say one quick thing. Shout out to everyone in the 607 area. Uh, sell out crowd. Yo. Sell out crowd uh, for the Binghamton Black Bears down at the arena. So kudos to you folks for turning out for a new hockey team, different hockey league than what we're used to. So kudos to you for turning out and showing your support. Uh, Looking at the games they got this upcoming week, uh, they are traveling back down to Delaware to play the Thunder this Friday at 730. Uh, And then on Saturday, November 13th, 7 p.m. Eastern, they are returning home to take on the Watertown Wolves. Uh, More information and info at BinghamtonBlackBears.com. Speaking of things going on in the 607, uh-huh. definitely have to shout out Johnny Moose and the team over at Excite Wrestling. Hey. Over 
Plus okay. at the X this past Saturday night for Excite Wrestling Presents One Will Fall. So, great night of wrestling action. I will say uh, it got a little crazy in the main event. Steel Cage Mayhem was going on. Oh, G- boy. G-Raver and Cade Lothbrook versus Masada and H.C. Loke. Uh, pad door shots. Yikes. Door head shots. Yikes. Yes. Uh, so that was going on, and that was actually uh, that was a crazy main event. A lot of the crowd, though, it did kind of trickle out, though, because right before they set up the cage was Sean Carr versus Matt Cardona. Ah, all right. Which, that was a fun match. Uh, Matt Cardona uh, got the win. Wow. And uh, it was definitely a fun night of wrestling action going on there. Twitch.tv slash X-C-I-T-E wrestling. Okay. So you can drop that follow. You can catch up on the card, too, because they did, they're did. they now airing the cards on Twitch. Right. So if you can't make it in the 607, you want to see some great pro wrestling action, you can definitely check it out. And they're getting ready now for Excite Fight Club, probably my favorite Excite event of the year. It's usually pretty good. So December 4th, they'll be having live at the X in the 607. So if you're local, you want to get your tickets, and I suggest you do because they're selling out like left and right. Every time I, I turn on social media, Moose has a post saying that they're selling out or they sold like a have front row's gone, now front row's gone, something like that. It's getting wild with it. Uh, all Ego Ethan Page coming straight from hey. AW is coming back to uh, say hi at Excite. And from Major League Wrestling and Impact Wrestling and Ring of Honor, Davey Richards hey, is coming back. That's awesome. Coming back to Binghamton. So I was super excited. It's going to be a fun card. Definitely more information on that, ExciteWrestling.com. And I was told by Johnny Moose, mm-hmm. and I quote, Buddy, I want to come on the show. Mm. Book some time. Let's do this. Mm. So at some point, whether it's 607TWS or the ODPH, Johnny Moose is coming on, and, oh, he's got a lot to talk about. So definitely stay tuned for that, and for all things exciting, you know where to go for that. Also, Binghamton Bulldogs action. Like I said, 607 was hopping this past weekend. Yeah. Well, the Bulldogs are now still 2-0, defeating the Herkimer Originals, 120-106. Definitely a fun night of basketball action happening. And the Bulldogs are now up in the rankings, too, of that ABA Number three, the highest they've ever been, wow. I believe. Wow. Good for them. If I'm not mistaken. So definitely a lot of big wins going on for our Binghamton Bulldogs. So they'll be hosting the New Jersey Knights this weekend. Uh, at the New Jersey Nets, what? You know, you know, if only. Uh, so they'll definitely be having that game held at the Bulldogs Sport Complex going on. So more information about everything going on with the Bulldogs, BinghamtonBulldogs.com. So let's wrap this show up and take this show home. Round those bases, Pad. What you got? Got to talk a little bit of baseball. And first off, yes. Thank you, Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves have won the World Series and defeated the cheating Houston Astros. I don't care if they didn't cheat this year; they're still fucking cheaters in my eyes. Facts. Uh, so congratulations to uh, Atlanta for winning their first baseball and first uh, sports championship since like the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh, the merchandise uh, for I read for the Atlanta Braves winning the championship. Sold out faster than anything in Fanatics history. Wow, which is saying something. That's that's crazy. Because Fanatics does all the sport, all the sports stuff, not just baseball, but like football and everything else. So that's impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now we switch to kind of the off season and not really getting too much into like the trade rumors or whatnot because it's 
way too goddamn early for that. But award season. Uh, now, I'm not going to go through and read every awards and who's up for what, but just some of the major ones. Uh, and specifically, Manager of the Year, Cy Young Award, and then the MVP. Uh, so for Manager of the Year in the American League, your candidate, final candidates are Dusty Baker of the Houston Astros. Uh, I politely disagree. Uh, Kevin mm-hmm. Cash of the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Politely disagree. Uh, and then Scott Cervais of the Seattle Mariners. Uh, so yeah, Seattle definitely had obviously you know everything with Tampa Bay and, and Houston, uh, but Seattle damn near made it into the playoffs for the first time in like literal two decades. Uh, so I think he should get it there. Over in the National League, you've got Craig Council of the uh, Milwaukee Brewers, Gabe Kapler of the San Francisco Giants, and then Mike Schilt of the formerly of the St. Louis Cardinals because he is no longer. Uh, employed by those folks mm-hmm. so that could get real interesting i kind of be honest i want to see schilt get it just because it'd be like toronto raptors a couple years ago where they let that coach go and then he won coach of the year how freaking wild oh it'd be so it'd be so freaking bonkers and crazy and insane i would just absolutely love to see it uh switching to the cy young award in the american league you have the yankees own garrett cole as one of the three finalists surprising me that's for goddamn sure yeah i was gonna say uh lance lynn of the chicago white Sox. And then Robbie Ray of the Toronto Blue Jays are your finalists. Over in the National League, it's Corbin Burns of the Milwaukee Brewers, Max Scherzer uh, of the Nationals and then Dodgers, uh, and then also Zach Wheeler of the uh, Philadelphia Phillies, formerly of the Binghamton uh, baseball team down here, but also played for the Mets a few years. But we did see him pitch down here in Binghamton a couple times. This is true. Uh, so those are your finalists for Cy Young Award. And then the big award, the one most people are, uh, care about, is the MVP. Uh, so from the American League, your finalists are Vladimir Guerrero Jr. from the Toronto Blue Jays, Shohei Otani from the uh, Angels, and then Marcus Simeon of the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Over in the National League, you've got Bryce Harper of the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals, and then Fernando Tatis Jr. of the San Diego Padres. Stacked lineup right there, uh-huh. man. That's going to be a tough Re- one. Real interesting. Uh, hard to say who's going to win over in the American League. It's going to – no, listen, no disrespect to Trevor Simeon, but it's going to be down to Shohei Otani and Vlad Jr. Vlad Jr. put up absurd numbers uh, offensively, and then Shohei did Shohei things. He pitched and hit at the same time. So it's, it's going to be hard to uh, say who gets that one over there. Uh, in terms of the National League, uh, it's either going to be Bryce Harper or Fernando Tatis Jr. Listen, nothing against Juan Soto. Bryce Harper had a phenomenal year with the, the Phillies. Flew under the radar for me. Uh, he hit 309 and reached base at a 429 clip. He also had an OPS of over a thousand. Jesus. And had a sl- uh, he led the majors in slugging. Uh, so he had a great year. So it's probably going to be him or Fernando Tatis Jr. Because Tatis put up ridiculous numbers. I'm going to say it's Vlad for the AL, and I'm going to say Harper for the NL. All right, I'm all right with that. Yeah, like I think. It all depends on how your team finished. Yeah. Because I think that does play a factor in it. Yeah. And obviously Philly, yeah. Philly was contending right near the end. Yeah, and the thing we should note with these awards is much like uh, the other sports, uh, the writers voted on this before the season was over. So playoffs did not factor into any of this voting. Right. So it'll be interesting to see who goes home with some chips there. Yeah. But uh, kudos to you, Atlanta. Yeah. You done good here. Yeah, you did. You did real good. Uh, so for my base, you know, got to talk a little hockey. And obviously, if I'm talking hockey, I only talk to the Rangers because that's my team. So this weekend was not a good road trip for them. They lost to Uh-oh. Edmonton 6-5 in overtime. And they got shelled 6 nothing by Calgary on Saturday night. However, they did bounce back Monday night against the Florida Panthers and 4-3. And now they're off until the weekend where they'll be at Columbus on Saturday night and then hosting those New Jersey Devils hey. on Sunday. 
So definitely more information on that. NHL.com. You can go find out everything going on with, with your favorite hockey team. Because, you know, I only talk blue shirts here. And so they had a, I know they had a dicey game the other night. What was it? Edmonton? Yeah. They were up like 4 nothing, and I was getting notifications on my phone because uh, the MSG network ain't on Hulu Live in our area. Yeah. Uh, which is atrocious. Uh, oh, that's facts. Uh, and, and we can't. And even though ESPN's got great hockey coverage on ESPN Plus, 99 times out of 100, it's blacked out in the New York area. Mm-hmm. But I'm getting notifications on my phone. It's like four nothing. I'm like, oh sweet, they've got this one in the bag. Four two, four three. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, Edmonton's tough. Yep. Yeah, like I accept that. Like that was a that's a tough loss, but to see him bounce back, that's where you gotta get on the winning ways. Yep. Because blue shirts stand the puck up. Let's go. All right, so we gotta talk some locks and leaps and do the standings and after the bloodbath that happened this week. Yeah, it was like the red wedding. It was. Uh we had some movement in the top five. So still at number one. Representing those East Coast Avengers is JT with 38 points. Joey DiCarlo from the So Wizard podcast had a perfect week. Hey. Six points, so he's now up to 35. At 34 is the birthday boy himself, Padawan Jay mm-hmm. and Rich from Three Fat Nerds podcast. Mash and Coach Duffy hanging in there at 31. Coach has been on a little heater, but he cooled off last week. Uh, Evan the Great from Villains the Man, Crossover Collision, and Jay West and Mac East from the Week of Dub podcast are at 30. I'm right behind them at 29. JVD took the gamble and because uh, he missed the week, so he did the pad rules. Yes. And definitely gained some ground, but not enough to break into the 30s. He's at 26. Our guy Brian Wayne from Cheers of Comics is at 25, and Andy Adams is at 20 for the week. So, or for the standing. So, this week, pad. You got uh, so for my leap, I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills, who are currently favored by 13 points. Uh, listen, the Jets are real bad, uh, and you've got Mike White or whoever the hell is going to be starting a quarterback for them. I think Buffalo is going to be able to pull off that win uh, very easily. So that's your lock, okay? Yes, and then for my leap, I'm going to be taking the Seattle Seahawks, who are currently uh, underdogs against the Green Bay Packers. Listen, Russell Wilson has been cleared to play. Uh, yeah, he's been clear to play. Russell Wilson is good to go. Russell Wilson has got a fire lit under his ass that he needs. He wants to get that team back in shape, back in the winning ways, and he's going to be throwing like a madman all over Lambeau Field. Uh, we at this point don't know who's going to be quarterbacking for the Green Bay Packers. It could be Aaron Rodgers. It might not be. Vegas got to be thinking it's Rodgers. We'll find out at this point. Uh, but I'm going to be taking the Seattle Seahawks because I think Russell Wilson is going to be coming back like a man possessed. What's the points right on that? Uh, that one is currently Green Bay by three points. Wow. Wow. Uh-huh. They better be hoping Rodgers is coming back with that one. because Also, be some folks, uh, if you're running any parlays, don't take Carolina because uh, Sam Darnold's going to be out for several weeks. Eey. Fractured scapula. Oh, that's not good. Nope. Oh, that's real bad. So, uh, P.J. White is going to fill in a starter. Good luck, Carolina. You're going to need it. Yep. Uh, so, let's see. For my lock, they got to bounce back. They have to. Dallas, favored by nine over, who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? So let's see if I could burn by that one. Atlanta's up shit's creek without a paddle. That's what I'll tell you. Yeah, so Dallas needs to bounce back with that one. And then for my leap, Odell Beckham is gone. Let's see if the Browns can be contenders instead of pretenders. One point dog, or one point, one and a half point dogs to the Patriots. Yeah. Now, listen, I think Mac Jones is going to compete. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think that's the reason the point spread's there. If Nick Chubb doesn't play, we got a real good chance. Yeah, I was going to say. Nick Chubb currently on the COVID-19 list, but if he does pass uh, to uh, 
COVID tests in that pat by pass. I mean, tests negative. Uh, he will be able to play, but if, if he does not play, we got a real good shot. I tell you, it's going to be a fun game. So I'm definitely excited to see if Cleveland is the real deal. I really want to see if this is because this could be a flash in the pan. And then if so, I will just rip them to shreds next week for letting me down. So that being said, Pat, the music you heard here on the ODPH this episode is that Brian Wolf. We like Brian. Mm-hmm. Brian's a Packers fan. Yeah, he is. He has been very, very quiet about everything going on. This is true. But we don't know him for music. So if I want to go check out his music, where do I go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over to the music section. Check out everything going on with Brian. Everything going on with Second Suitor. Tom Jolo. Yard Party. Shot of the Robots. Floodlands. All the amazing music groups you hear on the ODPH Podcast Network. You can also then check out the directory, which has your favorite podcast player with a link to the ODPH Podcast. Pad, how many do we have up there right now? Like over 9,000. Pretty much. If we're not on there with your link, you got to let us know where you're listening to us from. And we will put it up there. Because we want to make it so easy you can find us. It's right there in your hands. Well, word, word is we're working on ham radio these days. Yes, this is true. That is definitely a, uh, a little fact than fiction, so to speak. But we're going to keep that t- details under wraps. Then you can go over to the classified section. See, I get so tied up talking to that ham radio. I'm botching my words. Classified section, you can check out Organizational Link Support, Black Lives Matter, all the amazing pod groups we are in via their pod chaser pages, friends of the show, shout out to 607 Podcast, and shout out to 8122 Productions, our fam over there, Rich, Ron, Mike C, and of course, hashtag Big Natty Cool. Still on Twitter, Pad. Oh, boy. Still on Patreon. $1 gets you in the door. $3 gets you comfy seat at the table. Parlay points. New blogs coming out this week. In fact, we might have a blogs count anywhere by the time of AEW's uh, full gear. Maybe a little more in-depth preview. Uh. We'll, we'll see what's going on because i got to see what happens on Dynamite if something sways my vote. Plus, we also have comics blogs coming out. The T Public Store, another sale going on. New designs at the store. Uh. So if you want to get some ODPH swag, and I hope you do. Check that out. All that and so much more. ODPHpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the birthday boy, Padawan J. Fuck the Astros. Always and forever. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. Sometimes I lay awake at night Wondering what life would be like If you weren't taken before your time The lessons you taught me Try to remember, try to engage Sometimes it feels just like I'm staring at an empty page I'd love to hear your thoughts on the